Welcome everyone to episode 15 of Real Space Raiders. This is a Christmas special and potentially our last episode of the year. This is Paulie, aka Sky Santa, and I am joined on this episode by George the Grinch. Uh, everyone, hi. And Jolly Dom. Oi, oi, how's it going? We have an awesome episode for you. We have lots and lots of different subjects and things we're going to talk about. Uh, we're going to be going through how to prepare for the new codex, uh, plus a few predictions of what we're going to be doing uh, in the lead up to the new codex. Uh, we are also going to be saying goodbye to the previous codex. We're going to talk about the highs and lows of it, our best achievements, our favorite lists that we run, and also popular lists run by other people. We are going to be going into Scourge news. We're going to talk about the Death Guard and Blood Angels threat. We're going to be doing a bit of a review of the beta app, which has come out for 40k with the Army Builder. We are going to announce the winner of the Champions of Komora competition. We're going to do a 2020 roundup, and we're going to end the episode with our New Year's resolutions. And also, we are going to name our episode, but we are launch a very very small competition of our listeners to name it with the best Drakari christmas pun possible okay so george the grinch what have you been up to recently um trying to steal christmas obviously it's the only thing you can do but um i haven't I've, if in honesty I've, I've, I've taken i've committed the ultimate sin in 40k hobbiness and i've taken a break so um i know that lots of people will be crying out thinking everyone will be We'll all be super inspired and building lots of stuff towards the new codex and things like that. But I was going pretty full on for a while and doing lots and lots of painting. And um, I hit a bit of a wall, so I decided to just take a put the brush down and take a take a break for a fortnight. So I haven't been doing a lot of hobbying. Still halfway through my um, final touches on my incubi. Um, that's it, really. So yeah, just been focusing a lot on work. Been quite busy at work with the the COVID vaccine and everything. Um, and and focusing on that and spending a bit more time with my family and uh, playing on my PlayStation a little bit as well. So no hobby, but I'll be back on it. Um, well, now, basically. So I'm back on it again. So, uh, how about you, Dom? How, what have you been up to? Uh, what have I been up to? So I, for Jakari, I've been hunting down some deals on eBay to see if there's any... Uh, like bundles that people are, are getting rid of, of like Hellions and that, because I think they're going to be good in the new Codex. I've got a feeling because they've had had it hard for so long, and I've got I've just got this I've just got this like like call it like a spider sense that they're going to be good in the new Codex, or maybe that's just me because I absolutely love Hellions, and I just think they're just like just just the idea of them like flying around the battlefield on their skyboards and like racing to get the next kill i just think that uber cool so i've been uh, trying to get my hands on um a few deals of them because um i think it was like last month i got a bundle and uh, it was one someone um someone sent me and in the bundle there was four of the old metal hellions um which are super cool and they're holding like the double-edged um like glaives and i th- I just thought that it was proper cool so i'm going to try and like do some conversions um because i collect empress children like a like i've said in the past if any of you remember and the phoenix guard from from uh forge world uh get they basically have these like massive um halberds but uh they they're really really like like ornate and, and cool so what i'm gonna do is i ordered a few more um of their arms so i could get um get them ready for when i do hellion so i can get all of the the new hellion stuff but with um 
but with like conversions with uh, with the Phoenix Guard from Empress Children, um, which I think is a really cool project to do as well because I like I like mixing like some some kits like they've like they've hunted them down and fought them one and then on the next battle use the weapons of the people they've killed. So I think that's that's a really cool idea to do in the future. So I've got that lined up. Um, um, I'm finishing my witches because, as you know, I've I've never been a, a witch follower, but um, I am uh, becoming more and more uh, coming around to the idea of witch cult because I think they they can do a lot of cool things, um, and just their just their speed and just just they they can just pop out of nowhere and they're there, which is what I really really like. Um, I've been coming up with the idea of of running like min units of um, reavers just just to simply um like zip around the boards at like later ends of the turn uh, at later ends of the battle rounds just to just to try and like catch people off guard like ta- like get into the nurglings that are right at the back of the board or tag an intercessor squad that is holding the um like trying to do actions all game and um so yeah i've been i've been painting my reavers i've i've got 12 now 12 now and then i've got my hellions and then i've got 15 witches done um 10 are painted the re- and then i've just got some more to do but i'm trying to be i'm i'm trying to up my painting um uh for uh for the witches because uh, i've always kind of like with troops i've always kind of like rush painted them a little bit just to get them into like tournaments but now i've got time i'm just doing a bit of you know trying to get the skin to actually look like skin not just like a a, a wa- like a wash over um so i've got that but yeah, that's uh, I've been like on a witch a witch binge at the moment, which is quite nice. Um, and then did a bit of chaos stuff, and yeah, like uh, like Mister Gorg- Gorgeous George, I've been doing a bit of gaming as well. Um, yeah, it's a uh, it's been uh, it's been interesting because I've been trying to find where where I'm gonna go go for like a project after um, my little witch binge, and obviously I put the Hellions to convert from the Phoenix Guard, but. It's coming up with ideas to keep fresh for when the new codex comes out because we've got we've only got a couple of months till till that comes out. So I'm just trying to get everything in a good place. Then when it comes out, I can be like, right, this this is how I'm going to do my army, and I've got everything ready. Um, but that's just my approach to the new codex. But um, Paulie, what have you been up to? So very similar to George, I've taken a bit of a sabbatical. Um, I think you know, we're we're still well, we've just come out of our lockdown in the UK and. I've just been focused on family and other bits and pieces. Um, I've been massively into cyberpunk recently. That's taken a lot of my time, which is um, it's um, super, super buggy. But at the same time, it is a phenomenal game. I'm really enjoying that. Um, I did some painting, I think, um, probably a few weeks ago now, where I finished my Champions of Kimura entry, where I worked on the Cyberites, who I made, who was, um, his name was Karsak, and he was based on the warlock from the new uh canine shadow stalkers which have uh, come out separately now as well that's a really really cool kit which has lots of conversion opportunities in um i've also been painting some baubles um so back in easter i painted myself a little black heart egg which i found quite fun to do uh, and so i followed up with a black heart bauble um and then i got some like you know sort of nice um comments on social media so i followed it up with some more bubbles which i finished um today as we were recording um and they're really fun so there's some presents some for some of my friends and archons in the uk as well so 
Uh, potentially Dom and George are going to get their own. Uh, I think they might know that already, but they're really, really fun to work on. Something sort of, you know, cool and different. Um, I've got other ideas still that I really want to work on some Hellions as well. Um, I think the Hellions are a unit which they're one of the few units I don't have like painted or playable in my army. And um, I think, you know, looking at some of the worst units, you imagine they'll get better. Um, I'm sure we'll go into that in the following section, but I've got some ideas to convert them as well. I'm probably going to look to lean on some of the Eidneth, um ideas because I have very few units in my army which aren't kit bashed. Um, so I do want to have a look at those, um, potentially replace some of the heads. But I think I might just have a unit of Hellions just as is because they are just an absolutely phenomenal unit. Uh, yeah, I think um, the Hellions, the Hellion shout is a really good one, Dom. Like, I've I've had forty of the things like sat in my sat in my desk for probably since fifth edition. I think I think I've brought them out once or twice to play, but every single time I've I've sort of thought, no, that this isn't the time. Um, yeah, so fingers crossed, you know, we're finally gonna bring the light and shine it on the Hellions and make them as as fun to play as they as they appear to be in the lore. Um, who doesn't want to fly around like some sort of Steam, oh, yeah, cyberpunk. Let's keep it. Let's keep it relative. Cyberpunk, Drakari flying on a skyboard and uh, chasing the next kill. Yeah, like I, I just keep thinking about rules and how they can prepare for like the new codex. Um, and we've said in previous episodes, and we all kind of agreed that what they need to do is they need to go up a wound because they are, they are like not just a witch. They shouldn't have like like the witch profile they should either be like toughness i don't know if they should be toughness five but i guess because they've got this massive armored board which they could with their skill as a skilled rider they should be able to like maneuver quite quickly through so it may they just need something to like make them durable so make them last because right now they they kind of just don't have like in the kind of credits they just don't have like the survivability and because they got rid of all our minus ones to hit and all that sort of stuff like they 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 kind of don't really have a position where they can be like right i'm definitely going to get into combat before i get shot to, shot to pieces and it's easy to kill hellions at the moment um i just don't know what, what they're going to do but what's your thought paul you got any ideas on this so I think, yeah, at the moment, like really being on a skyboard, there's not much of a benefit. Whereas if you look at sort of, you know, old fantasy, like if you're mounted, you always get something extra. At the moment, there's plus one save, but I think, yeah, I think another wound would do the trick. Um, I've been thinking recently about the the horse people from Admech. I'm sure someone can correct me on their uh, name, but they have a really cool stratagem, don't they, where you can, um, you can, when you get charged, you can fall back like with a stratagem. Uh, and I think that would be, you know, a nice way to sort of replicate uh, their hit and run, their sort of, you know, their speed, as it were. Um, and Dom, you spoke a bit earlier about having some of the older, um, the older Hellions, um, which, do you know, what, out of the Chris Fitzpatrick sculpts, like I really like them; they're really cool. And actually, when you look at some of the older sculpts, they're very useful to make like really nice unit champions. Some of them might need like you know, some weapon swaps here and there, but they are um, definitely cool additions. And I think. Um, I'd like to see what you do with them. I think your stuff's looking really good, Dom. So I'd like to see some more. Yeah, thanks, Paulie. Yeah, we'll. Go, um, I'll get them out as soon as I can, and then uh, see what see what everyone else thinks. But um, yeah, we just kind of got to abide our time, and then hope the hope the Hellions get good. 
Um, but no, yeah, I really liked your baubles, by the way. They look really, really cool. And it's such a cool idea as well for Christmas because I've never really thought about doing um, like Warhammer, like Christmas decorations, but they actually look really, really, really nice. And especially your entry in, into the competition is sick. Yeah, the pose from the Shadow Knight Stalkers is awesome, especially with like it like posing like it's like it's dashing dashing past something, just blasting it into the side. It is a proper cool conversion, so you guys should check it out. Cool, thank you very much uh, for your compliments on that. Um, out of all of us, it sounds like myself and George have had you know some of the winter blues and like not knowing what to work on because it's when you've got a new codex, it, it's it's difficult to know what's happening. Like. Normally, if the world was a bit more normal, we'd have events on, we'd have games. Whereas I, you know, I know pretty much for a fact that I've never my um, I'm not going to play another game with that codex, which is is fine to a degree. Uh, but at the moment, you know, especially as a you know, let's call myself a competitive player, um, I don't know what's going to be good. I don't know what to work on. So it's a case of, um, you know, do I want to work on more witches when I've got enough witches? Do I want to work on more raiders, etc.? So it's we're, we're in a very sort of you know weird position, um, a very fortunate position that we know we're going to have our codex very soon. Um, but it's it's difficult to know what projects to work on. Um, you see a lot of new players like in the Facebook groups, and they're saying like, you know, how should I outfit my Ravager? Like, you know, disintegrators or dark lances. Where at the moment, um, you know, the un- unanimous answer to any question is wait for the codex because we just don't know it's a sense of disintegrators are good but there's so much out there with minus ones to wound it now like um reducing damage um and obviously dark glances we think they're going to get a bit better i think we everyone knows that they're going to get an upgrade in their d6 damage right oh yeah they have to i mean if, if you just look at what the um the reaper does for the forge world book i i I would expect to see a similar treatment to the to the Dark Lances at the least, if not the Blasters as well. Um, maybe they'll do Blasters will be like flat three, and then Dark Lances will be D3 plus three or something just to differentiate them a bit. But um, yeah, like you said, like a lot of the Facebook groups and stuff like that, and it's kind of addressed to all of you, like when when you ask about loadouts, it's, it's a, we can tell you what the current good loadouts are, but every, everything will change when the new codex got dropped. So as far as building goes, magnets are your best friend, really. Um, try and magnetize things. And there's loads of videos on like YouTube and Facebook and everything on like how to magnetize our vehicles, our Talos, um, even the Scourge, you can magnetize quite easily. Um, some of the guns swap quite easily, like the Haywire Blaster and Heat Lances have the same left arm um, and all you need to do is magnetize the right arm and you can change the gun as you wish. Um, Similarly, between shredders and blasters, you can magnetize the right arm that's holding the gun and the left hand, the left arm that's holding the gun up on the, under the stock is under the uh, barrel is the same for both bits. So um, yeah, just try and magnetize or just hold off until we know more about the new codex and then you can make a better summary. So, what are you both personally doing to prepare for the new codex? Right. What, I, what I'm doing is I've just finished off all, all of my vehicles. So now I've got all the transports. Uh, um, I've got the bigger transports, so like Raiders and all of that. And then the Venom's all done. They're, they're not going to change in the way they, they play their role on the battlefield. They're not going to suddenly become gunboats or not going to be used as transports because they're not going to change how fragile some of the Jakara units are and they need transports to get to where they're supposed to be going for the killing so 
make sure you've got your transports is my first kind of like advice because that's like the staple of every sort of like maneuverable list because Jakari, I know we've got a lot of tough units, but the majority of the time it's getting quick and f- getting there quick, getting there fast when precisely when you plan to so that you can take to take like the majority of um, the battle into into your favor because it's all about striking like quick and fast and doing with like lethal precision. So that's kind of like I'm I'm happy that I've got all my transports. I've got I mean you don't have to get this many, but I've got like six six venoms and six raiders. That's all that's that's me sorted for everything unless like raiders because raiders and venoms like become super cheap and I need like twelve. So don't <laughs> don't worry. As long as you've got your, your transports, that's gonna be fine. But I, I'm actually now looking at parts of um Jakari which I haven't really been focusing my attention on so i'm now like before i was all about coven and like gunboats in in cabal and all that but i'm actually like like looking like looking into witches as i've been saying at the start of the episode um because i think i i think because they've kind of been like a tool for most armies to have like uh when i when i first met paulie he was uh, we were playing at a tournament and he he used to play like a big witch bomb uh, which is which, like I'm saying, is, is it's like a tool for your army, but I reckon they're going to be able to bring in a new style of play for witches. That means that you can go that you that your witch units are going to be all like you could just be hundred percent witches. Uh, obviously, we know that the, uh, the archons are going to lead 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 the uh, fight, but what I'm saying is, I'm looking into witches just as like a new like to add a new dynamic to how i i think i'm going to be playing in the new in the new codex because they're all about speed and currently right now the only kind of speed i have is um from transports or flyers and i think like hellions and reavers they're they're going to be they're going to be something like something good to add to your list um but that's kind of just how, how i've been looking at it and as as we said just just a second ago, magnetizing your weapons because there's no point like buying new kits and then fixing like um, fixing all your guns to your, your boats or your planes or your um, uh, or your scourges because you might put them on, but then in too much time they're actually not the best guns to have. So either convert them so they look a bit funny so that you can just be like, oh yes, this is a thriller, um, and then be like, oh it's a haywire blaster. Um, or just you know magum magum or pinning pinning them. There's a lot, there's a lot of tutorials on um, on YouTube how to do it, and we like, we're all like really we're pretty pretty good at pinning and um, modding our, our models. So you just reach out to us and we'll be able to tell you. But um, me personally, I've got my I've got my transports down. I'm happy with that. I've got troops from all over the Jakari range, so I'm all good with that. I've got all the heavy supports I need. I now need the speed, so that's where I've been looking into. So I, I definitely take um, a very similar stance, and what I'd, I'd call it is looking at holes in your collection and your army. So um, you know, I've only really been playing Drakari since 2010. I've got you know not the biggest collection in the world, but for the most part, if you gave me an army list, I'd be able to put it together. You know, I've got three of each flyer, three of each uh, you know Ravager and Reaper, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But um, without making this a Hellion episode, like, you know, I've owned countless Hellions over the years, but I don't have any sort of painted up to a standard. So I know I need to work on Hellions. Um, I don't have any of the beasts 
you know, paints up to standard. Um, and there's, you know, I've got every special character I think now, you know, painted up. Um, I've got two archons and uh, two homunculi, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So I'm pretty much there. But at the moment, if you haven't got something in your army which you've been holding back on, because all, all the models are gorgeous. We, we've always said that we all know that Drakari have such a phenomenal range. But if you're missing something, um, I think time to probably hedge your bets a bit and actually work on stuff which um, you think is cool and might get good. Um, because I, you know, they said they're they're doing the codex from the ground up, and I think the last we're very lucky to have a really well written last codex, um, and it sounds like it's going to be well written again. So I think look for things that you don't have, and if you're looking for hobby projects, then work on them now. Um, there's lots of new archons joining the Drakari community, which is always awesome to see, um, and a lot of them ask you know a very similar question. They say, where should I start now? because we're all in a weird limbo state in Comora, where would you guys start if you were starting Drakari? Like, what would you suggest to a new or newer player? Which sort of sets would you collect at the moment? Um, I think, well, I think we've covered this in a in a previous episode a little bit, but uh, yeah, if you're, if you're brand new to starting, I'd probably just start with the Carbolites, like a simple Archons and Carbolite Warriors, um, Venom or Raiders, depending on what you prefer. Um, and then, like, if you want, if you have the points for it, some fire support in the form of uh, Ravager or um, or our planes like Void Ravens or Razor Wings. I think that's the easiest place to break into Dark Elder. I think they're the most kind of iconic and fun to play um, of our of our model range. I think Witch Cults can be really, really rewarding, but are definitely um, more challenging to use in the current in the current format of the game. Um, and Coven, uh, Coven are probably our most competitive option when backed with our other options in the Codex, but they can also be quite expensive to start out in because in order to make Covens good, you need um, you need a lot of racks and you need a lot of like Talos and, and Grotesques. Obviously, we're only in the, the fine cast version, so um, it will take a lot of money to do that. So I, I would suggest going with the Carbolites first, but what do you think, Paulie? Uh, I'd also like to say to anyone... Uh, unless you're really, really, really hitting that competitive sort of scene and like looking, not a netlist as such, but what is the best and what is good. And obviously, we can't predict the future. Um, but, you know, Games Workshop makes some of the best models in the world. And again, about har you know, harping on about the Jokai range, just pick pick units that you like. That, you know, if you like the look of Reavers, pick up a box of Reavers and paint them. If you like, you know, Incubi, who, well, we know the rules, and they're going to be phenomenal in the new codex, uh, pick them up and paint, paint them, work on them. That, that's one of my suggestions for that. Yeah, that's yeah, that's a good point, actually. I, I always forget that. Like, yeah, just buy the models that you like the look of <laughs> if you're starting out. That's how, that's how I started Jakari. I literally saw the Reaver jet bike model, bought probably about 18 of them, and um, and they were the first models I painted uh, for for Dark Elder, and then I decided I oh, actually I need an army to build these around, and got uh, one of the Christmas Mega Force boxes that was out the year that they came out, um, and went from there basically. Yeah, I think it's I think it is something to say there. Just, I mean, it's your hobby. Just pick something that you like. Just you know, if you think something's cool like a sleth, just get it, paint it. It's gonna be you're gonna be using it somehow. Like my favorite, my favorite model is the Venom, and because I think it looks like a little spacecraft, and I think it's freaking cool. Um, happens to be good. 
kind of cool. I'm going to pose a question, right? So, but when certain armies have been redone in the past, so Necrons, Orcs, and Space Marines really sort of jump to the forefront here. And if you look at the last Drakari infantry to come out, which was the Incubi, they were on a bigger base size. Now, do you think there is a chance, slash, are you scared that they could change all of our bases? We know Scourges went up uh, to 32 mil, but with this new base size, is there a worry or concern for all of your infantry suddenly going up a base size? I kind of do think that's where everything is headed. Um, I definitely think racks could, because I've got this feeling that they're going two wounds, because it only makes sense, because they're, they're supposed to be tough old boys. And also while we're talking about the new codex, so we know that Death Guard has been delayed till 2021. And going by the roadmap, it said that the unknown Xenos codex would be out in January, whereas language has changed to early 2021. And a lot of people assume that we're coming in January, but do you think because of COVID and ports and other things, uh, what what month would you even sort of assume that we're coming in at the moment? Um, well, I mean, I, I hope for January, but if uh, if the Death Guard book's been delayed, uh, that'll probably be that would probably take the spot of the January release. Um, so hopefully, fingers crossed for February, but it might get pushed back to March. Um, I mean, uh, nothing's really that predictable now with with uh, COVID. Um, numbers keep going all over the place, so we could enter another lockdown for all we know, um, and that might push everything back. But um, trying to stay on the positive side, at least we know it's coming. So um, we, all we've got to do is patiently wait. Yeah, I think that's the main thing. Just kind of got to abide to time and wait because I think Death Guards. January isn't it and then it's going to be a couple of months after that because they'll they'll probably fit in some Age of Sigmar in between them in between the releases just to kind of keep that up all of the rings um, so yeah I'm thinking March probably um, which isn't a bad bad time to be fair because hopefully we'll be out of another lockdown and getting into the tournament scene a little but um, we can only hope but that's just here in the UK my uh, birthday's in February, so if anyone wants to get me a codex for my birthday, I'm sure that would be most appreciated. But I've, in all honesty, I'll probably buy. I don't. I don't trust family members to um to purchase me um codex <laughs> things because I always end up missing out on it. Uh, like limited edition stuff. Like if I want to get that limited edition Drakari codex, I will make sure I'm ready at ten o'clock on a Saturday just to order it. But oh yeah, that's I'm just that's I'm just definitely me. getting that. And the dice. I want I want Jukari dice. I want Jukari dice. I want Jukari objective markers. I want a special codex which all the pages stick together because all <laughs> the outside with gold trim is gonna be uh it's gonna be too much of a thick layer so it all like sticks together. I want all of that. Um you never know, it could be there for your birthday. I all but hope. Um, I think in the last episode I spoke about my love of dice and I hope for you know the first proper Drakari dice. But with Death Guard getting terrain um, and Space Marines and Necrons also getting it, do you think there's a chance that we'll get something different to the Eldari Webway Gate? Um, I don't. I don't think so. I, I, I'm inclined to say no because like fortifications and buildings aren't really Drakari's thing. Like a webway gate, you can kind of make sense for because that that would just exist on the planet. But 
there's there's nothing I know of where the Dark Order will bring like fortifications with them to a raid. Like the whole point of it is to be quick and in and out. So, um, I mean, they could, I guess. GW can write their own law anytime they want, but I can't. I can't see any kind of precedent for it myself. Um, what about you, Dom? Yeah, I, I think I think that's probably right. It just wouldn't make sense, and I, I just don't know how what rules would would be good for it because the whole idea of these like fortifications are to like the like the new Death Guard one is to buff Death Guards to make them more like vicious on the battlefield. I guess if you're going to go down that route, it would maybe be like something to affect the toughness with like a coven thing or affects maybe the leadership to make him to make leaderships a bit harder to do like a big like totem of like slaughter um yeah i'm not really sure to be honest paulie have you got any ideas so i think this was like an apocalypse or city fight stratagem um but it was called dark olympiad and it was a really really cool sort of rule and but the fluff that backed up was awesome as well so basically uh, in Comrade they, they declared like a dark olympiad and so basically all the witches would go into real space and they'd compete against each other and i think in the rules it is really handy because i think you've got double drugs for all of the um with the witch units and i think the beasts even got drugs as well um but the fluff was you know they, they went into real space and like um all i can imagine is just like you know sort of pleasure barge like following them around uh, and it sort of erupts into like real space. Like you could just have like a really cool sort of like vignette piece where, uh, because like, you know, there's lots of like, you know, high end people from Comra there. Uh, so, you know, watching with bated breath to see what happens with, you know, you have something cool like that, which you'll be able to give out sort of bonuses and buffs. But um, I, yeah, I think I'd love to see Drakari terrain, but I think, you know, like George said, like they don't really have terrain. Like, yeah, you can have Comorite spires, but you don't really see many battlefields like based in Comora. So um, I think I'd, I'd rather like to see new models. Now, we still assume that Lilith Hesperax is coming, um, but do we think anything else is coming or do we think this will be just a, a character in a book sort of deal? Um, at the moment, I, th- I think it's just a character in a book. Um, I th- I've, well, it's hard to tell because the um, the rumor engine has been quite quiet recently. I feel, but I I don't recall seeing any other images that really yelled Dark Elder to me um, in the rumor engines. And normally, with upcoming codexes, you you tend to get a few leaks and things online, like leaked images or box art or something like that. Um, and I don't know about you guys, but I I haven't seen anything really that hints at either new Drakari units or plastic kits or anything like that apart from apart from the Lelith. I think there was that room wasn't there that we covered in the last episode of a box set but uh, I think actually for the most part I'd always say Drakari are never really leaked which I think's a good thing that like everyone likes to like hear cool stuff and see cool stuff but um you know, personally, I find leaks often spoil things where you'll see potato pictures or something or uh, like a, a blurry photo of a model and then everyone will look at it and be like, oh, that's a rubbish model. But then when it comes out and you actually see it in the flesh and build it, it's actually uh, really nice. So uh, I'm, I'm all for seeing things as we're supposed to see them personally. 
so going back formally on topic about preparing for a new codex, the Archons here at Real Space Raiders have settled on a new idea called Trials of the Archon, where we are all going to be taking um, one of the different sub-factions uh, and working on units for that with the, um, the release of the new codex in mind and also looking to champion that sub-faction in some of our content when this comes out. Now, no surprises here, but Dark Techno Dom, what are you looking at working on? Oh, I'll be, I'll be touching on the Witch Cult. No, I'm joking. Coven. <laughs> Coven the whole way through. I'm excited for this. Um, I'm not going to let anything slip, but um, I'm excited to sink, sink my teeth into some new ideas and some new conversions and all that sort of stuff. Um, because I, yeah, I, I, I can, I can never get enough of, um, of Coven. So I'll be, uh, I'll be like doing, being, the, I don't know. I think, I think I'm actually kind of going to convert a Archon to uh, represent more of, um, more of like a Coven based uh, army. So yeah, yeah, you got the, you've got the. Um, Archon leading all the Coven Force and everything like that, but um, I'll, I'm I think I might do some like crazy conversions where he's maybe taken taken um, some advice from uh, maybe maybe he's had a battle wound from his last from his last raid and the Homunculus has been like guiding him in being like come on you know I can fix that arm if you just let me just chop it off and then put this massive tentacle on it <laughs> um so I, I, I might i might do something like that maybe to go with my grotesques because i've uh, on my grotesque i did the um oh crypt, crypt horrors and i chopped the arms off simplest conversion ever i literally chopped the forearms off and put the talos uh Kronos whips on them and then uh just put a talos head that was it so i might just uh, take some of those whips and maybe replace one of his arm and come up with some funky backstory about how um, it got ripped off by like a space wolf um, on his death frenzy or something like that. Um, but yeah, what are you guys thinking? I'm super excited about this. Now, th this was uh, Dom's suggestion, and I was the, the the next person to reply. So I managed to um, shotgun or shard carbine, as it were, um, the next project. Uh, what did I choose? What did I steal, George? You took the witches from me. I loved them just as much as you. No, it's impossible, mate. My love is endless, as infinite as the abyss. I'm starting to like them. No, it's um, we yeah, it's it's, it's a good idea from Dom. So um, yeah, what Paulie, you're gonna what are you gonna plan with the witches? You're gonna resurrect your double witch bomb. I I've really missed witches like so much, and it's okay. I I think I do love the cabal side, but I I love the witches. Was I think they just they feed so well into like the law of like Duke Sliscus, the contraband and stuff. And I think you know going back to when we were talking about holes in your army earlier, that's where um, I think it's almost surprising a lot of my holes are. So I want to work on Hellions. I've got ideas for different Hellion gangs. Um, I've been working dropped for a long, long time uh, from the time of Beastar on what I used to call Duke Zoo. Um, and so I had like a big Chimera pack but every model was different. So the idea is like to collect a different beast from around the galaxy. So I had a Croot Hound in there and a Spider. Um, I had like two or three different versions of the Cold One and some of the old Chaos Hounds. Um, and at the moment, I'm starting to look at some of the newer models, which I've sort of missed out on. Um, 
since I've like resurrected the idea. Like I, I picked up one of the beasts from Warcry to go in there. I think actually one or two of those. I'm looking at the Necromunda range at the moment. I'm looking at the Sump Croc uh, and probably the Escher. Um, I think they're called Fear or Fur Cats when they come out. Um, and I've I've got I think four succubi now. I've got forty witches, but I I just love like making new shards and circles and cells. So I'm just gonna work on more conversions. And I think I've let this secret out before, but um, I don't own any raiders currently because I've I've always gone for venom spam. And the raider I did have became a reaper because I wanted a reaper at the time. But potentially um, a raider maybe a tantalus there's just so much stuff to do but uh probably i think you'll probably see some hellions come out of my um spaceport in Comora. what about you george what are you going to be working on from the cabal side um so yeah spoilers i've, I've i got left with the cabal so um it'll give me an excuse to paint up the i've, I've actually only got 15 carbolite warriors painted believe it or not which is pretty ridiculous considering they're kind of a mainstay of the army so um i think i've got over like 60 of them but they're just um black undercoated in my in my box so i'll paint up some more carbolite warriors um i've already got most of my uh, pretty much all my vehicles painted um apart from uh i have i haven't got any razor wings painted which is really ridiculous considering how powerful they were at the beginning of eighth edition um so i'll probably paint up my three razor wings and my third void raven um and eventually i'll work i'll work on my tantalus i've started to clean it up and and stick it together and and warp it back into shape and all that kind of jazz um so that's all what i'm going to be working on over over the course of the new uh, new codex over the next coming year and also um i want to focus a bit on the mercenaries i thought as i as i couldn't get to work on my beloved witches i was gonna take the mercenaries a bit so i'm, I'm already almost finished my incubi um, and I've got three squads of Scourge that are painted in my previous color scheme. So I need to strip them down and repaint them in my new color scheme. Um, and I want to try and magnetize them, like I suggested earlier, so I can switch out the weapon loadouts as I wish. Because um, I think Scourge are, Scourge are pretty interesting. Because at the moment, the only thing letting them down is is their weapon options. Because uh, their weapons don't really have the punch that they need. Um, and considering we've already seen that the Incubi are going up significantly in damage output, um, I think we're all um, expecting similar things um, for our other units. So uh, for things like the firepower that Scourge can put out, so having units that can deep strike in for free, um, shoot a, a decent amount of firepower, um, and move around the board and claim objectives and that kind of stuff, I think Scourge will be quite good. So I'm going to work on those after my Incubi. Um, that's about it, really. Yeah, so um, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be good. Uh, hopefully, it'll motivate us to um, do some more painting. Yeah, I'm really excited to see what uh, both of you get up to. I'm also really excited to see what our listeners uh, do in the, the space of time between now and the credits coming out. Because you still see, like, you know, a hive of activity on social media, on Reddit. Like, there's still lots of Drakari players working on, you know, all the different facets of the army, which is really exciting to see. We've spoken a lot about modeling opportunities and how to prepare in that sense. Now, Dom, I know you are a man of many armies, and I know you've been playing on TTS a bit, but not using Drakari, you've been using Chaos. Um, and again, I know you know you're I say you're relatively new. Uh, I think you know you're more of a seasoned Archon than probably most Archons out there now. Um, but I wanted to look at a topic of the benefits and drawbacks to only playing one faction. Now, 
to go on to my story, I've only played you know, Dark Elder Drakari since 2010. That I've dabbled, I've picked up Space Marine bits here and there. I bought the, the Sister the Battle Box set when it came out. Um, I pretty much picked up a Harlequin army at one point, um, but I've never played anything for like a decade other than Drakari. Um, and I think there's benefits to it. Um, but for yourself, Dom, what, what drawbacks do you think there are to only playing one army? Um, yeah, it's a, it's a good thing to bring up, to be honest, because I'm sure a lot of listeners out there, you could be starting Jakari or you've just had it sit, sitting in a box um, and you've just been like enjoying enjoying like listening to us, hopefully, um, and this is rekindling your, your hobby, but... Um, there's going to be a few of you out there that they're in the same boat as Paulie. But I don't know. It's a, it's an interesting one because the whole reason I like joined Drukari is because I've been, I've collected pretty much every army under the sun. Like I've had orcs, I've had a guard tank company, I've had space wolves, I've had blood angels, I've had, um, like I've been like an avid collector of Warhammer since I was like a, like a teenager. So it's never kind of like the love never stopped for me um maybe when i was at when i went to uni it kind of went into into the boxes a little bit but um yeah it's it's an interesting one because all my army my play style has always been like really aggressive but then i kind of what i lacked is kind of like the speed that i wanted to kind of replicate with like my other armies so like i would I was I I started de- I started a demon army because I, I I knew how fast all the screamers were and the blood crushes and all that sort of stuff, but then they just weren't doing what I kind of wanted them to do. So then I tried to bring in flamers and all that sort of stuff, and then that they I needed tanky stuff, so I would have got oh, I brought in some plague bearers and this and that. So that demons are a really good faction for that sort of stuff. But what they lack is kind of just like the sheer like quickness that Drakari brings. Um, and it's like in a blink of an eye, you go from hiding to ev- over the entire board. Um, and I think like the drawbacks you get from only playing one faction is is that you don't get how other armies play. And I I did a year of doing tournaments with uh, of um, I, th- I think I only did like four four I think it was like four tournaments the year before I joined Jakari. Um, but I was playing Chaos, and I, I basically had this bog standard list, which well, I think is bog standard list, um, which used to, uh, which had thirty plague bearers, thirty bloodletters, um, and then loads of nerglings, like a, de- a couple of demon princes, and then the rest was just like forge world, um, uh, Deradios and Leviathans before, before when they were super cheap, um, and they were just ridiculous. Um, and that was that was fun because I could stay on my objectives. But back then, it wasn't about objectives. Um, it was just more about can you hold more, can you kill more, and then you've got these three secondaries. Can you do them as well? Um, and I literally played a certain way for like two years, and it was it, it was just it's kind of like a weird mindset to be in because it was like the end of seventh, start of eighth. I was pure chaos, um, and. I feel like the experience from that made me realize how how valuable the speed and the and and to not kind of throw units away too much because 
like Drakaria is super frail compared to like like demons, but then you need to learn how to, you can use that to your advantage, um, and just to, to to almost like overvalue your units. Um, it's an interesting one because obviously playing playing Drakari for a long time, you like you two have. It's you. You're gonna know so many tactics from past editions and like models that used to be there, but but now you've got like grotesque maybe filling a role of of how maybe beasts used to play, like with the beast bomb that you guys talk about before. But I, I just feel like it's good, there's good and bad things because you guys will hone your hone your skills in more for the for like uh, for the raids. But then I kind of like will understand how other armies benefit more against us so i kind of get like get the like get an overall view of how the other armies will play against me like like i i'm a local club i kind of have to guess almost like guess how the other opponent will play because i know that like chaos and marines and all that sort of i play them for a long time i know how they're going to react to the way i play so i kind of play get like a guessing game like a turn ahead um and I mean, you, you you must get it, George, uh, with uh, with you having a marine faction as well. Um, it's an it's an interesting thing to have, isn't it? You got you've got this army which is totally different to the way like all other armies play, um, and to get an insight from any other sort of like play style, it's 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 quite valuable. But then then again, like I said on the flip side. Um, there, there is some drawbacks because you, you, you may be not as honed, like honed in from past editions of, of tactics that you can that you can do. Um, yeah, I can't. Yeah, I do tend to agree with you. I, I think one of the one of the cons I noted down was yeah, you can um, lose knowledge on like other armies um, a bit. But again, that depends on like where you play. Like if you play against a lot of armies, you tend to know what they can do because you 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 uh, you're on the receiving end of it. Um, so you can mitigate your lack of knowledge by um, playing against as many people as, as possible, like attending events, watching events. Obviously, we get like Twitch streams and stuff nowadays, which is great. Um, so yeah, like I think that is a that is a con, but I think there are a lot of pros. Like I've, I mean, I wouldn't say I'm a hundred percent Dark Elder, but I, I have been pretty pretty much apart from a handful of games since since the launch, the relaunch in fifth edition. Um, and I think there's a real big advantage of knowing your codex inside and out, like knowing absolutely everything about it, like the CP of all your stratagems, what you do, what they do, when you can use them, um, what the profiles are of all your units. Not only does it make you faster at playing, but it also um, makes your opponent like know what they're dealing with because you know the answer to those questions without having to fish through your codex. Um and and that's really good. I find that really useful, and that also leaves you more time to learn um, and pay attention to other armies because you're like, okay, I already know what my army does, so I can read an opponent's codex, or um, if you've got the money or resources, you can get it online or whatever. Um, so that's good, and and I think one of the biggest values of playing like one army for a prolonged period of time is just the experience you get for using that army against a wide variety of opponents. And as you said, Dom, you get this kind of catalog of um, uses you've had for units that might not just be the basics of this unit kills this. It's the utility you've learned from, okay, well, I can do 
this series of things like the obviously the raider trick i taught you in episode one really but um that trick has been that that trick has been with the dark elder for like a long time that's been one of their mainstay stratagems that you kind of just you can use your radar and then move it up and that brings you into closer to your opponents and then your guns inside can rapid fire and things like that so you learn how to use your units in different less obvious ways by practicing and practicing and practicing with them against a wide variety of opponents so that's really good um and yeah i think the the one of the main cons i put was that um your enjoyment of that army can strongly depend on the strength or usability of your codex so i remember and i'm sure paulie would agree with me that the the pain of playing through like seventh edition with that codex was was hard like it was really hard because dark elder were like in a really weak place comparatively to the other armies and there was little to no flavor in that codex and little to no usable units in that codex it was it was more or less venom spam or go home um a, the corpse thief claw made an appearance but other than that it was it was a it was not a good codex so i think if you're if you're unlucky enough to like have a bad codex then playing that one faction and sticking to it through that codex can be quite demoralizing to the hobby um and so in those situations it is good to have a backup but um i will always advocate if you find an army that you really love stick to it learn it inside and out um, and even when it's bad if you learn to use it when it's bad when you get a good codex you'll suddenly find that all the tips and tricks you learned when the codex was bad are now 10 times better because your codex is better so that's worth a lot of that's that's got a high value in my opinion and i think that's one of the reasons i've done as well as i have with dark elder in eighth edition because i stuck to them through seventh and learned to use them in an environment that really didn't favor them and um don't you agree paulie yeah, definitely. Like, as someone once said, practice makes perfect. And I think the more you play the army, like, the ability just to to know its limits. Where I often ask my opponent, like, you know, what's the um, you know, what, what's the stats on that? And they start saying, oh, it's got this so many attacks, it moves this fast. Like, I just want to know its toughness and save, and like any feel no pain, because I know roughly, you know, how many wounds my ravager would do to something. Like, I'm not, I'm not amazing at my hammer, but I will know. Um, in terms of target priority, like, you know, what to do against certain things, just knowing the exact, like, shooting limits that my army has. Um, and also working out ways to win, which, you know, being really sort of up against it with Drakari, I think it's something which I've learned at different times where Drakari and Dark Elder haven't been the best. And I think, you know, without beating that dead horse, but seventh was a really 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 tough time um and i think you touched upon the corpse tooth claw i think that was in my army and reavers were very very good at the time because they'd be able to jink for like a, what, a two up cover save and uh the hammer of wrath attacks were really good um and I, I went to some events and i think i went to a gt heat once and it was a six six games and i beat my first opponent and then just lost and lost and lost and lost like the last game i played against like um I said, town netlist would be unkind to him, but you know, he had what I'd consider quite a competitive town list. And, you know, I, I was obviously just playing in a shark tank and I wasn't a bad player, but I was playing what was, you know, a really bad army. But, uh, you know, on the flip side, I had some really good moments where, you know, I beat some, you know, tournament winning netlist because I was playing my army. I knew its limits and, um, you know, there there is a bit of a you know an idea sometimes that 
a lot of the newer tournament players will take netlists to events not understanding them. Um, and there was a few times where I beat like Wolfstar um, just because I knew how to, to win was try and survive and get on the objectives. And sometimes it was a case of praying, you know, we rolled a one or two for the game to finish. And it did, you know, I, I was quite proud of those moments and, you know, managing to win a game which was just against a Phantom Titan, uh, just because I knew my limits of, you know, how many wounds I had here and there and uh, how fast my movement would be and, you know, playing around sort of Maelstrom decks and stuff like that. But um, I think when you when you play your army, you'll know everything. You'll know the stratagems. And I think in Drakari, um, it's looked sometimes negatively with all the different sub-factions, but actually we're kind of blessed that there, there's so many different builds that you can take. Like we say right now, witches aren't competitive, but there's been times where witches have been, you know, you could take a witch army or a witch heavy army. And at the moment there's about what three or four different covens that are competitive and different cabal builds. There's, there's so much you can do. So um, I've, I've never got bored of the army. And, you know, like one of my friends, I think my friend Chris said, like when I was looking at, you know, working on a different army, I think I was working on gene silicates and it was like, you know, you'll never not take Tricari to an event. And I think I went to a Horus Heresy uh, event with White Scars and I didn't enjoy it. And I think it's because I didn't have my, you know, dark hair at the time. So, um, but at the same time, to be a good player, like it could be said that the best players, uh, I say it could be said, I think it, this is very true. The best players know every book. They know every stratagem. They'll never get gotcha. They'll know, you know, potential moves ahead of time because they'll just know all the codexes um, and they'll, they'll have played them. And I think, um, I'm sure this is true that the last LVO, I think it was Brohammer, they they took um, all the same lists that they, they play tested against each other. They ran, you know, gauntlets all the big lists at the time and they took an Iron Hands list, which they felt was unbeatable. And I think, Richard Siegel, I think he won with it, and I think all the other guys came in the top eight of the list just because they'd worked on it so hard. And I think, you know, we'll, we'll probably maybe come to that with Drakari again. Like, it'd be nice if they're top tier. Like, um, I spoke in the Facebook group, I think I covered the last episode about, you know, people will, you know, be tempted to, like, to bandwagon, but let, let people come with a top tier, enjoy it with the top army and everyone's running them. Cool. Let's just do it, and again, you'll 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 get cheap Drakari on eBay. You know, if we if we fade again, but just ride the waves and enjoy Drakari. Um, but at the same time, if you if you get the opportunity to play other armies, you you will get better at the game because I think you will know the limits and you will know moves that armies will make because you played them. Yeah, I think that's that's a big thing about it is just kind of playing a varied like like if you're playing at your local club and you're used to just playing like three or four different styles of this it's it's good to just mix it up a bit and like try like if your mate is is, it's got an elder list he he doesn't want to play just tell him to bring it out because then you get used to playing all these different different types of lists and like i said you can kind of like predict what the tactics are going to be like if i like for instance, if I see obliterators, I just know, okay, so they're not starting on the table. I have to worry about them turn two when they drop in and then double fire and then they're gonna use three stratagems on them to make them and uh, to make them uh like really, really potent. So I know how much CP after turn two my my opponent's gonna have because he has to invest four CP to make them really good. Um it's just like little tricks like that. Um 
but yeah, I, I do think there's a, there's a lot of there's a lot of pros in in collecting just just the single armies. Um, and I think I think we raised some really good points there. That was a really really interesting topic. I really enjoyed that and everyone's answers. So we are going to say goodbye to the current codex but before we do that we're going to launch quickly through scourge news we have three topics to cover here and the first one i believe you're going to lead them which is about the death guard threat and the blood angels codex which has come out um what highlights are there for Drakari players to be concerned about and want to learn rules about okay so this is this is more like a quick roundup rather than our um last one about necrons and marines because i feel i feel it's been a bit some time since we've seen seen some of the news and uh just a few i picked up on a, a few key kind of like areas and that i want to talk to you guys about and then i'll get your um get your input so the first one of the first major things is the interaction with a few of the stratagems that are in the new in the new book um and here's a little scenario i'll paint a lovely picture for you so this is i'm going to talk about blood angels now and one of my friends, Matt, he's a huge Blood Angels player, and he's a very good Blood Angels player at that. Um, and so one of the tactics he was talk to, talking to me about is you simply try and bait someone to charging your uh, Blagar veterans. So you just stick someone on an objective, which you know is like near near where the army's kind of like wanting to go. And what you do is say, like, you've got a unit of Talos, yeah, so you try, you go, right, Blagar veteran's got some Talos. That's a good fight. I could probably win that. Um, so you charge your three Talos in. From out of nowhere, this character comes out called the Sanguinor. And the Sanguinor can pop up kind of like the Incarn, like just outside of combat. And then he heroically intervenes. And the main thing about this is, is the stratagem, which is built into the codex to kind of like gotcha you. And you need to watch out for this. Um, it's, uh, let me just refresh my memory of what the actual stratagem is called. Is the stratagem called Sanguinanigans by any chance? Sanguinanigans. <laughs> it could be. Um, the one CP stratagem is called the Angel's Sacrifice. And for one CP, what you can do, so let me paint this picture again. It's you've got your Talos have charged into the Blagard veterans. Okay. So now the Sanguinor pops out, hurriedly intervenes into you. You can now attack that, um, the, the Sanguinor, but he pays one CP and you can only attack him. The, the stratagem specifically says that you can only target characters. Okay. And so... You have to all your three tasks absolutely demolish this uh, the Sanguinor, but he fights on death, so it doesn't really matter for the Blood Angels player. So what the, he will do, he he will pop another stratagem for when he fights on death, so he gets exploding sixes with like more AP. So he will get he'll probably he'll probably kill a Talos when uh, when uh, when he strikes back, and then the unit you have charged just punches back. So those Blood veterans will probably finish off another Talos. And if you're, if you're unlucky, finish off the other one as well. So it's a very sort of like gotcha move where you've got like, it could be anything. So it could be like if you're a Tyranid player as well, your gene stealers fly into um, a unit of intercessors. Sanguinor pops up, cleans half of them up, and then the unit you charge punches you back anyway. And then in 
Um, there's a there's a few other other stratagems you can go with this, um, which I'm which I won't cover. But the one thing I must, I must say about this, I kind of don't like it. I really don't like it because it's it's one of these moves where if you don't know what the Sanguinor is, that, so what what he is slash does, it's a real gotcha move from from Games Workshop, which I know us at the podcast we we're not we're not a fan of like gotcha moves. And let me just read out this, the the Sanguinor to you guys, just and then then I'll ask you about your opinions. But the Sanguinor, okay, he moves twelve. Well, you're going to be in combat anyway. Hey, weapon school two, ballistic school two, strength four, toughness four, five, five wounds, five attacks. So that's like a normal stat line for like a good good character anyway. He's got two plus save in combat though with his uh, with his broadsword. He's strength six minus four, and then flat two damage. And each time an attack is made with this weapon on an unmodified roll of a six, that's one mortal wound in addition. Okay, so that's pretty pretty nasty. Um, he's got four open vulnerable save, and each time a melee attack is made against his model, it's minus one to hit. So you're minus one to hit him. He's got a four open run, and you, you pay one CP, and you have to attack him. So if you are quite unlucky, you could actually do almost do nothing. Um, and he's and he's a really good buff character as well. So he's um, he's got called the Aura of um, Forever. While a friendly Blood Angel's core or Blood Angel's character unit is within six of this model, each time the unit fights until the until that fight is resolved, add one to the fight characteristics of the models in that unit. So you can he he pops up, buffs buffs the unit, and you you basically have to, have to like fight him. Then he fights on death. There's just a lot of like nastiness there, and he, he's a very good character. Don't get me wrong; if you've got a Blood Angel's army, that's awesome. But um, yeah, what do you guys think? Give me your take on just this this first little tactic. Um, yeah, I think he's he's pretty solid. Um, I think the the come up the the appear out of nowhere and heroic intervene is a nice touch. Uh, I think the stratagem is useful. I think in, in that particular scenario you said, I mean, the, the Sanguinor's going to die from like three Talos attacking him, like guaranteed. I, I don't care how many four-ups you think you can roll, he's he's going to get butchered by that. But um, I think more uses for Blood Angels players would be uh, through um, holding objectives. Like being, So say, for instance, in, the, in a similar scenario, um, your three Talos charge are like a unit of infiltrators or something that are on an objective, thinking I'm going to pick up those infiltrators and then hold the objective of my three Talos. And then suddenly the Sanguinor appears, heroically intervenes, forces you to attack the Sanguinor, which means your Talos can't attack the Obsec unit. So that keeps the Obsec unit on the objective for the Blood Angel player to claim it. Um, I think that'll be uh, like quite a tactical use for that. Um, I think generally speaking, like I've had a brief read through the Blood Angel Codex, and it seems like they've gotten like better in some ways, but also they've they've lost a little bit, I think. Um I, I still think Blood Angel's list will revolve heavily around like Sanguinary Guard and Death Company. Um so I think their lists will remain similar to what we see now. So really decent characters and um fast, heavy hitting melee units. Um and I do think as a Drakari player we have answers to that in the form of Vexator masks. Um and just ask, we can match their speed as well with our transports and everything. So we can just stay out of the way and minimize, minimize the impacts of their charges. 
um, through the use of our transports and stuff. So I think the Blood Angels are good. I think there's a lot of flavour there, and I think Blood Angels players should be quite happy with what they've got. And, I mean, they can get just ridiculous, bonkers amounts of attacks. I think a death company in Assault Doctrine gets, like, plus three attacks on the charge, um, which means, like, each death company marine is getting six attacks on the charge. Uh, it's just... And they've got ways to get exploding sixes, and if the Sangonor's near then they get another plus one. It's just mental. I mean, you know that Blood Angel is going to hit like a ton of tr- a ton of bricks, and um, but that's good. I think we're moving into an edition where everything is going to hit like a ton of bricks, and I can't wait to see what bricks we get. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. Um, they have so many attacks now, which is good. But there is there has been some good news for us though. There's been a few nerfs. Uh, they no longer get their three d six charge out of Deep Strike which I think was called the Descent of Angels, um, which is now a 1ccp strat. And it's an interesting one, because you ignore charge modifiers instead of your 3d6. So that's interesting. So that'll be all right for charging Tau with their with their uh, grav drones to stop you from charging. Um, charging them and there's some other there's some other like terrain which like which doesn't help with that so that does kind of like it's kind of good but i mean blood angels want the 3d6 charge right who wouldn't um you've also got the uh, death company so you can make the death company for 20 points you can give your captain or lieutenant the death company keyword and basically what that that gives them is the black rage which is a uh, plus one charge um, plus one when heroic intervene and uh, get charged. Uh, you can never do actions if you're death company if you've got the black rage and can never fall back. Um, and you get the death visions, which is you pick you pick some special rules which buff the characters, like um, like extra like attack or uh, like better save that sort of stuff. Um, and then the uh, I just want to talk about one. Uh, one thing here. This is yeah. like good Sorry, my my law head is 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 screaming at me right now. That the death visions rule for the death company is such a cool narrative rule. Like it's literally because the death company are lost to the black rage, which is basically they're just filled with images of their Primarch dying and a and a fuel to try and save them. And then the death visions is for characters only. And there's like four, three or four rules that they get to select, which is a one use only ability but there is a strategy where you can uh, either use it again or pick two abilities when you activate it and it's basically replicating um the death company character seeing uh, imagining himself as sanguinius on like the uh, uh, at the siege of terror um and it fuels him to fight with like insane heroism and stuff like that is it's so fluffy and so cool like i just absolutely love it and i think I'm not a Blood Angel player at all. Like I'm a I'm a Space Wolf player. If I had to pick my Marine faction, but if I was a Blood Angel player, even though I'm not, I, I think that's just such a cool rule to have in the game that GW have done really well with that. I think. Oh yeah, that is, that is super cool. I did I, I did kind of glance over that a little bit, but um, yeah, they they do have some of the coolest rules, like like tripping out when they're seeing the <laughs> seeing the death over and over again. Um, it's really cool. It is really really cool. Um. The two got two more things to just quick stop on for the Blood, Blood Angels tour. Um, you got one which is the uh, which is a, a CP strat, which I think is really nice. One CP and your sanguinary guard can heroic intervene six inches. Now, Paulie, how do you think that will affect? Well, Dom, it kind of makes me scared. I think anything which can heroically intervene really messes 
a lot with how I play with objectives about uh, throwing cabalites and racks away to die to sort of contest stuff. And I think, I don't know if by the time that unit's near me with, you know, to heroic, I probably would have used my command point. So, yeah, I'm not going to lie, that, that does concern me a bit. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's some, there's some, like, you can kind of do some shenanigans with that as well. Say if you're against Tyranids, um, if they've got like or Sinesh demons, if they're charging or forward, you could just leave your secondary guard just slightly behind the the, the first line. So when they the hit you, you just hurricane intervene into your gene stealers or, or your hive tyrant. Um, so that that's kind of quite cool. Um, the They've got uh, Savage Echoes, which is the new rule for them, which is it kind of, it's kind of unchanged, um, but it's a plus one attack for everyone, and they get on charge, hurricane intervene, and get charge. Um, so plus two attacks uh, in shot in shock assault, and with the chainsaw, you get you get another you get another attack. So that's three plus three attacks, uh, and then. The death company get it stacks with death company, so it's like like we said before. That's that's a lot of attacks just from a guy with a chainsword. So, um, if you, if you're blood angels players, you should be very happy. And just the last thing, librarian dreads they can still fly. They can uh, they've still got that psychic power where they can move again, which is uh, kind of like a little warp time, which is kind of nice. But their psychic powers are really good. Um, so I would be very happy if we had psychic powers like that, but we don't have psychic, so it doesn't matter. Um, so Death Guard, um, does anyone want to point out the major, the major change that has just happened to Death Guard? Yeah, so obviously we don't have the Codex, but we have had, what is it, five previews now in Warhammer Community? And the big one is that Disgustingly Resilient, which was their their feel no pain is now changing to minus one damage, which is absolutely huge. It's, it's still very good in the sense that you know, there's so much two damage in the game now, uh, where you know it makes that redundant, makes your you know the heavy bolters which have become great, you know go back to their old rules again, etc., etc. Disease become not very good, do they? Um, but I guess the thing which you know, anyone with Phil No Pain built into their army, and especially Drakari players, are wondering, you know, does that mean that we will lose that six plus plus plus? Uh, George, what's your thoughts on that one? Um, I don't know. Like, I mean, we could. Um, as long as it gets replaced by something awesome, I, I don't really mind. Um, it is kind of our main way of, our main bit of durability, though, but I think if GW moved down the route of pushing us back into the glass cannon where our damage output is through the roof, but we can't take a punch. I'd be happy with that. Um, there is present. I mean, lots of people are saying, oh, the, the um, Necrons have lost it. Um, now Death Guard have lost it. So every army's going to lose Phil No Pain. I don't think so. The Iron Hands still have theirs, and there's still ways that Space Marines can give Phil No Pain to their units. Um, so I don't think it's going. Um, I do hope to see some power from pain table uh, table changes. I think that would be quite good. I think at the moment our power from pain table is very focused on combat, um, and I'd like to see a bit more variation. Maybe you can pick or change or move things around, similar to the um, Necron protocols, uh, where they can they, they can pick their protocols, and depending on which turn it is, would they activate the certain one? I think that would be quite cool if we sort of customize our own power from pain table. Um, but I think the, the takeaways that we've seen from Death Guard so, so far is they're 
the durability is sort of moving sideways because the units that they've shown have, have gained toughness and gained wounds, but they've lost the feel no pain, which is a big loss. Like I've, I've, everyone knows that mathematically a five up feel no pain is huge, but the minus one damage is not to be sniffed at because a lot of people are packing like flat two damage weapons now to take out Marines that are every, every Marine's got two wounds minimum now. Um, and then if you rock up with your death guard and suddenly those two damage weapons are one damage, like, that's really, really good. Like you're, you've suddenly heavily reduced the effectiveness of your opponent's damage output. So, um, and from what we've seen as well, I think the Death Guard damage output is going to go up significantly. Just that contagions of Nurgle rule, the minus one toughness aura alone, skews the maths heavily. Like in the game, just having. I mean, I know obviously turn one is only one inch, but then it goes to like four and then nine and then 12 or something off the top of my head. Um, and Death Guard have always played mid to midfield to um, your opponent's field. And so um, when you're in that aura of minus one toughness, I mean, you think from a Dark Elder perspective, their bolters are going to be wounding our guys on threes, on twos even, sorry. Um, and with just bolters, let alone the sort of plague spitters that are like strength six, which are going to be wounding Marines on twos. Um, I think, yeah, it's the, the minus one toughness is going to make a huge difference. And if they get damage output increases on their actual weapons as well, um, I think the Death Guard will be a, a change. It will change their play style a bit. They'll go from being the anchor army that can't be removed to a credible, like, movable threat that might not be the most mobile army in the game, but has got to ponder up the board and it's going to smash face. Um, and that would be really interesting to see. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see how they kind of like put all that into one playable codex as well, um, and because they've they've been the the army for the longest of times that has been you have to synergize everything to be able to like get to where you want to go. It's like a big slow moving like pus blob with um, that everything buffs each other and like you got your grenade guy, you got your guy who buffs this, guy who buffs that. So it's going to be interesting. Um, but we've seen we've seen a few rules for um, uh, for the Death Guard and some of the some of the previews, which is quite interesting. Um, like there's the malicious volleys. Uh, let me just read this out for you guys if you haven't seen it. But um, uh, in, this is just malicious volleys. Instead of uh, following the normal rules for rapid fire models in this unit. Um, sh shooting rapid fire bolt weapons make double the number of attacks if uh, if any of these following apply the model's target is within half range the model's the model's infantry and is uh, unit re remains stationary so even if you remain stationary and end your infantry you at 24 inches you'll get uh, rapid fire now so it's not just the terminators that get this um and the last rule says as terminators so this is that's quite an interesting one which is which is pretty cool, but I really like how the how they released some of the rules for the um the new like the, well not new actually the demon engine so defilers blister skill three what do you think that says? I think it means uh, yeah as I said um we're moving into an addition where everything's damage output is going up so if demon engines are gaining ballistic skill profiles you can surmise that so will um things like heldrakes um and mauler fiends and forge fiends and all that good good stuff it might even see it across uh, in the um 
in the Death Guard book with the what they call the uh, blight haulers and the plague burst crawlers as well. Plague burst crawlers, yeah, and the what the little tripod um, track guys with the multi melter and the rocket launch. I've forgotten the name of them, but they're really good. Um, and they only got better with the multi melter change as well because they've got double the number of shots for their melter. Oh yeah. Um, so yeah, if they're all gaining BS skill and weapon skill, again, it's just boosting the damage output. Like I said. Um, the Death Guard damage output is going to go up. Uh, their durability has sort of moved sideways. I wouldn't say it's been nerfed. It's just moved. It's just adjusted, similar to how the Necron durability adjusted with the change to reanimation protocols. Um, so, yeah, I'm excited to see what Death Guard brings. They're such a cool army, and their models are awesome. Mortarian in particular oh, is just yeah. such a sexy model. And, and to see him on the board again and, and have him as an effective, effective unit We'll, we'll just make the game better because we all like to see Primarchs on the board and it's just, it leads to those really awesome narrative, like cinematic moments in the game that we all crave, basically. Like Mortarian showing, like having a showdown with Gilliman or Drizar or something like that. No, I, don't, <laughs> I don't I don't favour Drizar's odds in that fight, but it should no, be. Well, not anymore, but it would look epic. Damage. For the brief moment it lasted, it would look epic. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a lot of good stuff with the um, uh, with the Death Guard stuff. It's it's quite annoying that they haven't released the Codex yet because we 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 plan to have um, maybe talked a bit more in depth about it. But this is just going off what the um, you know the hearsay of the community and the and then uh, what they've released on on Warhammer community. Um, so there's some there's some good things in there. Um, but I, out of the two, I think yeah. I mean, Death Guard seems a bit seems a bit better because it's minus some damage, and yes, it's kind of stepping sideways because it's not the five up feeling of pain, but it's just going to speed the game up. But um, I do think Blood Angels look mental. Um, but yet we yet to see the Death Guard stratagem, so we don't really know. Um, but yeah, poorly that wraps up my little Death Guard and Blood Angels section. Um, what what bit are we are we stepping into next? Well, thank you very much for leading that, uh, Dom. We're now going to talk very quickly about Battleforge, which has just released as a beta. So Battleforge is Games Workshop's army builder for Warhammer 40,000, the app. Um, and it came out a few days ago. And I update, so I am on uh, iPhone, and I updated it. And I got you know to try it out very quickly. And my first impressions are it's actually really good. Like, I am a massive Battle Sky fan, um, but using the app, uh, so I, I've subscribed to the app uh, from day dot. Um, and the app, for the most part, it was some people think it's good value, some people think it's bad value. Um, I really, really enjoy the app. Um, when, when you first subscribed, I'm not sure if it's still available now, but essentially, you got all of the books um, on your phone um, until they got updated. So, you essentially got you don't get like the background and the fluff you literally just get all the data sheets you get all of the rules um but it's really really handy so i had uh the, you know the whole catalog of 40k and it was really good so like you know if i was at an event or a pickup game if i wanted to see what something did i could you know um without being rude to my opponent you know i could bring up my phone and just look at the data sheet for something or you know what what stratagems are there like you know sometimes you'd be at an event uh, and you might, you know, have a good like half an hour to an hour, like heads up who your next opponent is. So, you know, you, you'll look at their list and BCP or whatever. And then, um, if you're unsure about a unit, you just go into your app. And I found that really, really useful. Um, 
the only sort of real caveat now is that those lists will sort of disappear out of your app um, when the when the books come out. Um, as everyone knows that the books now have a code, which I'm fine with. Like I've only, I think I've picked up the Necron book because I was just interested to read it. Uh, I've got the Forge World Compendium, um, but I haven't picked up the other codexes yet, but I might do just because I find the app really useful. Um, but you know, going back on topic to the army builder itself, I, I really enjoy it. It's it's actually it's very very quick. It's really really quick. Like you know, sometimes you'll be on an app and you press a button, and it takes you know takes a little while to load. Whereas this, this is instant. It just goes to the next bit. Um, and it's very clever that you can sort of build it in certain ways, where you can you know select your detachments and then um, select your obsessions, and it will have like you know how like the force organization chart you know for the detachment appears in your codex. It looks exactly like that. And so if you want to add troops, you know, you click on the troops button and it, you know, it pops up and it's like, would you like a couple of warriors? And, you know, then you go into that unit and you can select options, etc. Or you can also do it where you just have all the, all the different units available. And it's a case of cool. I want, you know, unit of incubi. I'm going to make them up to 10. I'm going to give the, um, the clavex demi-claves. I'm going to have, you know, racks. I'm going to have uh, six reavers. I'm going to have this, that, and this, and that. And it's a case of cool. Okay, right. I'm going to now, organize them into attachments it's really useful uh, it exports data really well it kicks out um a really cool list which i believe bcp have already updated um their app now so you can when you submit lists it uses the new um export system which is really clever um and something else that i was really impressed with as well is they've done an update which i think was less than a week um for it being announced which um, you know, this this hasn't been fast coming out. There's, there's obviously reasons behind that, um, but their team have worked on this really, really quickly, and uh, there's new features on there already. Um, yeah, and it, it's de it's definitely in, in beta, so there are hiccups, there are things missing. Like at the moment, um, I couldn't, you know, sort of select um, raiding force, and there's certain stratagems which you know I wasn't able to use, uh, like alliance of agony, uh, custom obsessions on on there yet um but you know they've been very clear it's a beta and i think it's it's cool it's exciting and i'm looking forward to seeing what new features uh they come up with next uh, have you guys tried it out yet at all uh no i haven't i've got the i've got the app downloaded but um i haven't i haven't tried out the the new battle forge um system i've got high hopes for it though because i think um gw want to kind of own that end of the of the market with with the the list writing and as I said having a handheld device that has access to like all the rules both yours and your opponents can only be a good thing. Um, obviously, you can access it through Battlescribe, but it's a bit fiddly. Um, so having just the press of a button, this is what this unit does, will be really handy in games, um, both pre and post um, and during. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm going to keep an eye on it. Uh, I'm not because we're because we're still in lockdown, there's no games going on at the moment. There's no, not really much point in me buying it now because um, I can't play test any lists. So, um, but once once everything opens up again and gaming starts happening again, I'll definitely look into getting it. Yeah, I'm I'm the same with George on this. Um, I'm I'm kind of just waiting for the codex to come out, and then I'll be a hundred percent on board with. Uh, getting the app because I've seen a couple of my friends like like you probably you showed me as well. It's a it's a really good app, 
and I've, I, I'm really, it's going to be super, super convenient when you go to an event and then you just, you just pop out your iPad and then you just go on the app and then you just got, the, you just got your codex and then you just got all of the, all of the rules you need there. So it's, it's definitely something that the community needed because yes, Battlescribe is, um, it's kind of clunky and I, multiple times I've had it time out on me and it just doesn't really work that well sometimes. Um, and it's not a pretty app either, but you know, we, now we've got this new new fancy um, app to to look forward to, and I, I really can't I can't wait to play it uh, to play with it because um, it's going to be super convenient. Um, and yeah. Okay, so rounding up Scourge news, we are going to finally announce the Champions of Kamora competition, which has been going on for quite a while. Now, this competition, if you weren't aware, is focused on unit champions. So the idea behind it was purely for this contest, please build a unit champion or leader. So that'd be a Clavex, a Cyberite, a Hecatrix, a Heliarch, all the different unit champions available to the Jokari. Um, the idea as well is to look at using cool conversions where you can, uh, interesting paint jobs, and we're also looking for a unique name for them. So the first one, we're going to go through Instagram entries first that piqued our interest. So we're going to look at, I believe the uh, handle is Softchair or Softcherry. Um, and they had a Drakari called Drizzed, which was based on, now I believe it is the old Shadowblade Dark Elf with uh, a Cabalite head and I think probably some bits from a Scourge. What was your impression of this one, guys? Um, I really like this one. I thought it was a, I thought it was a really interesting conversion. There's a few subtle subtle uh, conversions on there as well. Because he's changed the right arm for a blast pistol. Um, he's put some uh, the uh, as you said the scourge bits to add some poison vials and a um, and a sheath dagger on his hip. Um, and the carbolite helm has been adapted as well. He's, he's put some horns on there to make him look a little bit more menacing. Um, and the base he's changed as well to make it uh, more um rock like i think the original base it looks very much like a elven ruin that he's stepping on so there's actually quite a bit of work hidden in this in this piece and and the paint job's really good as well it's a really dark kind of like menacing paint job i like the blending on the cloak uh bringing in the hints of blue which matches his hair plume um and a, a very sinister dark looking cyberite i think so i like that one quite a bit I um yeah I echo all your thoughts. I really actually enjoyed the base. Like it's almost it looks like it's been done whether it's weathering powders or not, but it's um a really sort of stark contrast between that and the rest of the model. Oh yeah, I totally agree. He looks like a ninja. I think it's super super cool, and I like how kind of like how high the the cape goes because it's definitely like getting some sort of motion that he's just kind of leapt at this um at this, this enemy in front of him and he's got his eyes eyes on the target and he's just going straight in for the kill so i think it's a really cool conversion so good good work on this one so the next one was a really really interesting conversion which uh, definitely made my shortlist because it hit uh, everything sort of on the the contest um rules so this is from Jable's pickup, and this was, um, I'll read the uh, description that they put on Instagram. So they said, this is Nissa the Blind. She is a Hecatrix in the cult of the Coral Serpent. She is completely blind and is constantly accused of being a psychic. She has refuted all of these accusations and has claimed her unnatural abilities are the result of skill alone, in which she is unmatched. On real space raids, she most enjoys blinding her opponents with a quick slash of a demiclave or searing their retinas with her blast pistol. 
She is made from with parts from the plastic incubi kit and a blast pistol from the witch's kit. And she is mostly an Amati Reaver, which is from the Eidenf uh, Deepkin. Uh, and the last victim was an Imperial Fist, which can, which can be seen on a base. Um, I thought this was really, really cool. Everything, I guess, like, is a nice sort of pose. Um, really cool sort of, like, you know, additions. Um, it definitely, the fact that it's based, it's based mostly on a non-Drakari uh, model, it definitely looks like it's part of the Drakari range. Yeah, I think this is this is really good. Like um, the paint jobs, the paint jobs good. There's a nice use of color on there, especially in the cloak with the orange to sort of make that stand out. I think um, I think Jable's pickup wins top marks for uh, the narrative though. Like it's an awesome name, and he's really put some thought into um, what the background of this witch is and uh, why she's got no eyes and how she can fight so well even though she's blind. I think that's really cool um, and quite novel as well. And the sort of sinister aspect of is she psychic, is she not psychic? Because we know the Dark Elder are capable of it. Um, and it's one of the only things within the Dark City that's kind of, uh, need I say the word banned, but it's, it's frowned upon, let's say, which is which is rare in Komora. There's usually nothing that's frowned upon. Anything goes there. But yeah, really interesting narrative and, and a cool conversion, as you said, looks like it fits right into the Drakari um, model line. So next up was an entry from Oz Hobbies UK. Now, this was a really cool conversion of a Heliarch on a skyboard. So Oz Hobbies UK says, I present to you all Lady Trixin the Huntress. She is known equally for her grace and beauty within the arenas of Comora and her swift and brutal strikes and real space raids, leading her packs of Hellions to cause carnage and fear throughout the enemy ranks. The model is a kitbash of a Hellion, uh, Hellion keyboard, or I think it meant the skyboard, and one of the Underworld Morgoth's Blade Coven minis. I'm quite happy with how she has turned out, and will be using her as a Heliarch with Agonizer or perhaps a Beastmaster when I expand my collection. Uh, Don, what was your thoughts on this one? I just thought this was the coolest conversion, and I really want to do it myself. Like the paint job is awesome. Like there's some really nice edge highlights there. Um, and it's a similar paint like color scheme to you, which is quite cool, Paulie. So you, maybe you guys could run run a little tag team um, competition uh, together, or like a tournament, and you, your armies could like fit well together. But it's a, it's a really cool conversion. With this, you really get the sense of motion from the way that the um, like the character on top is kind of like leaning leaning with the board, but also getting ready to whip something, and it just looks so cool. So I'm I really really like this one, um, and it just screams like speed, like the speed of this like the, that model is traveling, and also it's getting ready to just absolutely like murder someone. So I think this is a really cool model. The next one was by Grim Dork, which was um, now so we never actually saw a finished um, article of this, but uh, we wanted to raise it because it was an entry. Um, and it's really interesting. So Grimdork said, I had this idea a while ago when I was playing more covens. I had the thoughts of an idea of a idea of a character piece of a homunculus on the rise, riding one of his own grotesque creations into battle would be cool. It found a back burner until I came across the Champions of Kamora contest being put on by the Real Space Raiders crew. So I decided to take a break from Harlequins and try to bring the idea to life. Paint and fluff to come, but the plastic is looking cool so far. So this was a model using one of the um, the guys. I've used actually a similar uh, model conversion for my grotesque. It's one of the, um, I think they're called Plague Hulks from 
the um the Jellapox infected from the rogue trader game um but it's a really cool conversion george yeah yeah it's a really good it's a shame we couldn't see the finished article so we'll we'll um we'll hopefully see something from grimdork in the future because if you look in the background of the picture the harlequins he's got painted in the background look really good so hopefully he can do the the conversion justice but it's a really nice conversion of a, as you said the galapox infected like hulk thing um and it's got three <laughs> three heads on the grotesque which is awesome um and then there's a cool homunculi conversion riding on his back with one of the hellion um flesh hooks stuck into the back of the grotesque so it's a really cool conversion uh, shame we couldn't see it painted but uh, worth noting for the competition i thought this was awesome i mean me being a lover of the coven i think it's sick it's so cool. There's all the little heads everywhere. Just the the pose really works, um, with with the person on top. And I, I definitely think it's uh, oh, it's just awesome. I would love to see it painted. So Grim Dork, if you if you listen to this, paint it up and send us the photos because uh, we really wanna we wanna see um see see how this turns out. So next up was a conversion by Archon John, which was named Catarix Morton. Succubus of the Circle of the Shattered Limb, the sole surviving sister of Vatborn triplets raised in the pit of the Red Grief. Catarix descended into the abyss of torment after watching her twin sisters burn at the hands of the Salamander chapter during a real space raid in the 42nd millennium. Uh, Conceived by range, her fury that day caused her to dance through the flames as the bloody gauntlets beat relentlessly upon the shattered corpses. Now this was a really cool conversion, a nice paint job as well. And this is used... I believe it's using one of the daughters of the K models uh, for the basis, uh, Hydra Gauntlets, and it looks like it's using uh, Trezar's head. Yeah, it's a good conversion. I think we spoke about it in the previous episode because it was a quite an early entry, but um, good job, Archon John. I think it's, it's an awesome conversion, really good paint job, and wonderful narrative. I like the touch. I don't know if it was deliberate or not, but um, the fact that you had like triplets bat born. Um, and as we know, this, uh, witch cults are generally led by three succubi, with one being the superior and then her, and then two others that kind of vie and jockey for position. Um, so I quite like that kind of touch in the narrative, and that was on purpose. Well done. I like that. If it wasn't on purpose, still well done. It was really good. Okay, so the next one is by Ranger Auric. So I bought some models secondhand, and I'm in the process of repainting them in my color schemes. Wasn't overly impressed with the original pose of this model, so a little kit bashing was required before repainting change the head and the right arm so this is based on the uh, current plastic archon kit what do you guys think about this one yeah it's pretty good a pretty good conversion like the fact his right arm is um it looks like it's uh, a harlequin arm it looks like it's one of the um either embraces or caresses it looks like um and obviously a nice power saw conversion on the left hand um i think it looks a little bit too archony for my liking for a squad leader. It looks a little bit too important with a flayed skin cloak. I don't think a squad leader would be able to afford a flayed skin cloak, but um, it's still a good conversion. I like the blue on the rocks at the base. It really contrasts with the generally white and beige look of the armor. Um, so, yeah, good stuff. Yeah, I really like the white armor. I, I've been tempted to do some white armor myself because I, I painted my scourges with the white armor. And they look really sweet, but I like how he's done like the um, like the brownie red because I think that really like pops with like the way he's done his hand and like the ribs. Um, and again, like like George said, the base is pretty pretty cool. Um, and the skin on the on the head's really nice as well. 
So I think this is a really cool, really cool idea for a for a sergeant. Maybe quite an expensive one to make yourself, but um, because <laughs> archons are quite expensive, um, which is definitely definitely a cool cool conversion. And yeah, I might have to check this guy's Instagram. Out. It's pretty cool. Maybe he was on a, just a really really successful real space raid. But uh, that is a cool entry. Um, moving on, we have an entry from X Drix. Now there was no sort of description of this, uh, just a tag. But it was a very cool conversion based on the Vizark, which I believe, I'm not sure if that's a new Incubi head or one of the old ones, one of the old metal ones. Uh, but there's a few sort of arm swaps here and a very cool color scheme. Yeah, it looks to me like it's one of the old Incubi heads, I think. It's not, yeah, I think it, yeah, it definitely looks like one of the old ones. But the swords are really interesting. I don't know where those bits are from, but they're really cool. Uh, they're like sort of piratical sabers in both hands. Um, yeah, good conversion. like it. It's a shame we didn't get any kind of background to him, but um, it's good conversion and good paint job. Yeah, I kind of want to see what his army looks like now after looking at because it's because it's, it's the contrast between the like metallic like metal uh, like like greeny metal and then the purple's really nice and I love purple my army's purple so I, I kind of like this one quite a lot um, and I really want to make an archon like this because it's it's really cool because that's like an incubi head within the sabers are really cool as well um, yeah I like this I really like the way he's done the metal actually. Because it's like brushed metal, but it's like greeny. So it'd be interesting to see how he's done that. If that's like an ink or something similar. Or maybe a dry brush over the top. It's interesting. Now we're now moving into... I'm muted. No, I'm not muted. We're now moving into Facebook territory. Now this next entry was from a gentleman called Jonathan de Puma Chores. Now he actually entered two Akafists because he actually did ask the community on Facebook to vote which one they preferred the most. And actually, it seems to be a bit of a split vote, but these were both really cool. So he's like, I'd like to present uh, two of my favourite Akafists of the Dark Wave Disciples, which is a really cool cell or coven name. Um, so he said, obsessed with finding unique ways of instant freezing their prey before death, they choose various fluorescent coatings for their weapons that rapidly spread through their enemies. The final result, a battlefield of gorgeous glowing ice sculptures that sustain a raiding party of souls or could be smashed into dazzling bits depending on their fickle mood. First up is Daedalus the Frozen Currents, aka Sir Whippington, who has a particular taste for shocking his victims while they freeze. Overkill of course, but very satisfying. Next is Ezra the Convulsing Freeze, quite an oxymoron of a title, however it's quite interesting. Her poison coatings are auto-injected into her weapons as per her prey. Once the poison enters the bloodstream or circuitry, the victim begins to violently spasm as their body slowly freezes over, denying them their natural reaction to this excruciating end. Um, now, personally, I was blown away by both of these. I loved the conversions. Um, again, it's another person using the Eidnif Deepkin. I think they're based on the, um, the Namati Thralls this time rather than the Reaver. Um, but very, very clever use of those models. You often see them used for mandrakes, um, but I think equally they work really well as the basis for racks. And with some of the additions of um, the the rack masks, which you know, with, with the actual like the elven pointy ears sticking out, looks very well Drakari art alien, but it makes it gives it much more of a an alien feel. Um, a really cool use of uh, glowing effects. Um, re really 
both of them are fantastic entries and personally I don't think I could pick between the, both of them. No, I can see why the Facebook community was divided. I, I really like both of these. The glow effects are really good. I love the conversion on the um I've forgotten her name, but the the Akathis with the uh, Venom Blade and the green glow effects match with the face with the helmet and similarly with the uh, Sir Whippington, <laughs> which is an awesome name. Um, but again, bo bonus points for the the narrative is really cool and, and almost harrowing like story about a, a coven that's obsessed with causing excruciating pain while freezing. So their victims are frozen in agony um, and then they can do with them what they will. Uh, I think that's a really, a very Drakari thing to do. Uh, I think that's really awesome. Yeah, yeah. These are cool. These are really, really cool. Uh, my favorite is the double whip man. He is sick. The colors are awesome. The base is really cool as well. Um, I just, I'm going to have to copy that whip because the way he's done that is super, super good. Um, and it really works. It really, you can really kind of like, almost like see like, like how, how the, how the whip would like crackle all the way down it when he, when he's like slapping them about. Um, oh, these are really cool. Oh, I'm going to have to copy him. Sorry, dude. I'm going to have to copy you. This, this is a really cool conversion. Super, super cool. Um, and the last entry we're going to talk about is from Tristan Lowe's on Facebook. And this was his first ever Drakari model, which he finished. Um, and this, this is really cool. Now, there's some really cool sort of fluff behind this guy. And I think it was the only Arena Champion which has entered. So, Arena Champion Maracool of the Witch Cult of the Deadly Nightshade's Kiss, closely allied with the Cabal of the Lost Garden of Hedon, Renowned throughout Comora for their skills and knowledge of all things toxic and poisonous, they live in the garden. At first look, an oasis filled with beautiful plants and exotic flowers. However, the fauna in this garden is grown for the plant's ability to produce the most agonizing or euphoric concoctions, and only the residents of the garden are learned enough to make the distinction. Maracool enjoys her private patch where she is perfecting a secret blend of extracts that frightens the sen heightens the senses to unnatural levels, allowing her to push her jet bike, weaving between obstacles and skimming the ground closer than any other would dare. Her cackles of delight echo across the battlefield as she tears through real space, dissecting body parts of her prey apart with her blade veins. Really, really, really cool background. And I think, especially as someone that is new to Drakari, um, you can tell they've actually like, read up on their fluff to actually know, you know a bit about the army itself. Really, really impressive. And the paint job is really cool. It's actually very similar to uh, Joe's um, with that sort of bright blue sort of turquoise, but with actually a rusted look um, and lots of like nice spot colours. Really impressive. Oh, yeah, definitely. I actually, when I first saw this, I thought it was Joe's and then I looked up and saw the name and I was like, oh, okay. And um, yeah, really good convert, really good um, paint job. Like, I like the weathering effect. So the colour choice is really good. And the narrative, oh, I really want to, I want to carry on reading about this character. Like, uh, yeah, I love the idea of a, a garden filled with filled with exotic plants, that most of which will kill you, but some of which are fine, and only the witch cult knows which are which. And I, it's just so good. It's so cool. And I think we've got some mini like short story writers and some sort of pending authors in the mix of uh, 
our social media groups and everything. I think it's say some phenomenal entries. Thank you for everyone that entered something. Uh, you can check out all the entries on Instagram and Facebook by using the hashtag Champions of Kamora. Now, like Highlander, there can only be one, and there's only one winner. And obviously, the winner of this will be sent um, a set of Real Space Raiders objective markers, which we'll endeavour to get out as soon as possible. We know that Royal Mail is quite busy at the moment, so they might come early next year, but hopefully they'll come as soon as we can get them posted. Now, this entry was shortlisted by all of us, so the way we looked at this is um, we, we chose our three sort of favourites to form a shortlist, um, and we sort of spoke about you know, why we liked each model, um, how they sort of fitted the... Um, the different rules of the competition and the background and the conversions and everything. And we chose, drum roll please, Oz Hobbies UK. Congratulations, you have won the Champions of Komora contest. Um, your entry was superb. I think personally what I really, really enjoyed about it is looking at the work in progress pictures it's actually a really, really simple conversion where it is literally that model um, placed on a skyboard. But for myself, like personally, I think the best conversions are always ones which look like a model which exists or which you could buy. Um, and for me, it was just, it was a very simple conversion, but it worked really, really well. Um, I enjoyed um, you know, the bit of background that you put in, um, the thought behind the name was really cool. Um, and the paint job as well. Um, you know, it's actually a very different sort of style of orange to myself, but that wasn't why I enjoyed it the most. It was the techniques used, and actually the choice of colours were really, really cool. I actually really enjoyed the glossy red sort of face mask. And again, that might be something I might borrow because it just works really, really well with the rest of the model. Yeah, I really like this. Um, I think it was all round um, a winner from all three of us. Uh, narrative was good. It was really nice seeing the work in progress, and the paint job is really crisp. Um, some really nice edge highlighting and contrast in the colours colours used. And as Paulie said, like a good conversion doesn't look like a conversion, um, and I think this doesn't look like a conversion. It looks like something you can buy off a shelf. So, um, yeah, well-deserved win. Uh, dude, I hope the objective markers get to you soon and uh, maybe take some pictures of you using them in a game sometime. That'd be quite interesting. Yeah, I loved this. I thought this was such a cool model as well. And yeah, just if you if you if you're gonna paint the rest of the squad like this, send us the images because we're all gonna be wanting to see that. Um, but yeah, honestly, mate, congratulations. Well done. This is an awesome paint job. Well done, dude. So, um, you know, keep it up, keep it going. We'll send you the objective marker soon. And, uh, yeah, if you've got any other painting projects, um, listeners, and also um, for the winner, just send them to us. We're, we're always um, happy to, like, hear, hear from you guys. So, yeah, this has been, this has been really cool. Awesome. Thanks again, everyone that entered. And I believe we will launch another competition early in the new year. Now, it's time to return to the Drakari Codex, but not talking about the new one coming out, but paying our respects and saying goodbye to the current Codex. Now, we're going to look at what we felt were some of the top lists that we used with this book. Um, we're going to talk about our best achievements using the Codex and our personal favorite lists out of everything that we have used. Um, George, because you've been using Drakari for a long time, um, now when, when the codex came out, and I think 
probably for a little while they, they were top tier they're probably up there on their own um with the use of allies as well because obviously we had doomseer now for newer players um and you still can ally other facets of eldari in Rudrakari, but you can't make use of certain things like psychic power so before um you'd be able to cast doom on a unit so if you cast doom with a eldar farseer what it means is the other eldar which are firing or you know attacking that unit until the end of the turn they can reroll wounds which is really really strong but before it's FAQ'd, that worked with Jakara units. So it is very common to take a auxiliary detachment with a single Farseer, or sometimes a battalion with um, rangers, etc. Um, but it's really useful. So, you know, Im imagine your Blackheart Ravagers, Herero 1s, Herero 1s to wound. Um, if they were firing at something which was doomed, they'd reroll 1s to hit, but then reroll everything. Um, you'd, you'd be able to sink sort of any unit, any sort of big tank. Um, just by using sort of Talos Haywire, I used to love it. Um, if firing Mandrakes, you know, rerolling to wounds, just fishing for sixes for mortals. So um, that was a really, really strong sort of part of the codex, um, well, supplementary. Um, but George, what did you feel was sort of some of the net lists that were used, the most common used uh, units during the Drakari heyday, probably sort of late 2018 to early 2019? um yeah i thought well my, my initial reaction when the codex first dropped was the, it was just so good compared to compared to the previous one like um completely different uh we had the most dominant stratagem in the game uh like immediately like agents effect just changed the game really um it was the first of its kind obviously since gene steeler got, got theirs and 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 um, agents effect was nerfed a little bit but um yeah, it was such a powerful codex, and I think you saw um, the Blackheart Spearhead appear in almost every Eldar base list, uh, whether it was pure Dark Elder or, or Craft Welders. Um, it was just such a plug-and-play detachment um, in 8th edition, where you could just put it in and you had a, a source of CP regeneration, access to Agents of Vect, and a really reliable firebase in the three Ravagers, uh, which at the time, were, I think when the Codex first came out, they were only 125 points per Ravager um, compared to the 160 they are now. Um, so I think the Codex in general was uh, aggressively costed, which is what made it so potent, was the units were really cheap for what they did. Um, and there was a lot of versatility in the play, in the play as well. And uh, yeah, I think... Um, a lot of lists we saw were were quite similar with triple Ravager, triple Razor Wings, um, and then every now and then you'd see more like Coven-based lists start to appear with Talos and Grotesques, um, and and that's kind of stayed stayed there all the way through the editions. So it goes to show that just the core of the army was just a very strong, versatile army that could do lots of things um, in the hands of a of a good player. Um, so yeah, I think. My first, my first impression was it was a very, very good codex, and there was lots of, lots of choice. Um, so, yeah, what about you, Dom? What did you think? I think, well, this is before I um, was actually on the Jukari, um, like playing, we were playing with them. But I just remember seeing, like you said before, like they, there was just in every Elder Army, there was just the triple Ravengers, and then they had all the flyers. So I just remember just seeing not more of like Jukari is like armies but they be added into Eldar to make them like super potent um 
So I remember that at the start because I think what was the first tournament I went to? It was in Luton, England, and it was a massive event. I took uh, what did I take? I think I took. It was back when I think yeah, it was Mag. It was Magnus, three Demon Princes, and then uh, like m- like loads of demons and obliterators. Um, and I didn't do very well, if I'm honest. I didn't do very well. But uh, the person who won the event was there. Uh, was someone with uh, with a Jukari slash? Uh, is it a Laytok? Was that the one? A Laytok? Um, yeah, and they they just absolutely like ruined everyone because <laughs> the Ravagers were just picking up everyone. The um, out the cheap transports, the cheap um, the cheap units were just everywhere, and it, and. I remember there was actually a, a Jakari player there who did quite well with um, with the blaster spam in Venoms. Um, but yeah, it was um, from what I remember, it was, right at the start when it got released, it was just instantly dominant, which was which is kind of what I'm hoping for the new codex. But yeah, it's been it's been an interesting kind of like creep for all the other codexes to kind of like match how how ours was, and then with FAQs we have got nerfed quite a bit over time. Um, so it's, it has been an interesting like journey for Jakari players, especially as um, like George and Paulia, like the vets of um, like on here of of Jukari. Um Paulia, how have you found it? Well, Codex Creep itself is just is a natural thing. Where um, personally, I don't think you can begrudge Games Workshop by bringing out new rules because that's what they do. Um, they bring out you know fantastic models and make cool rules which go alongside it and then i think sometimes for the most part now like the cooler the rule sometimes the better it is which is natural and um you know for the most part i think when the new codex comes out it, it needs to be it doesn't need to be better than the last codex but it probably needs to be better than its last iteration or it needs to fit um the rules um like the meta um and i think sometimes I think you've seen it quite a lot with, you know, some of the, um, you know, when Admet got their, you know, the last big swathe of models. When you bring out new units, um, you don't want to see carbon copies. You don't want to just see them, you know, you just have some you know, more toughness here, less range there. They've got this weapon. You actually want to see new rules. You want to see new weapons, which have, you know, their own special rules, and you want the models to have new special rules, and you want to see, um, you know, stratagems as well. Um, and I think when when new stuff comes out, um, sometimes new stuff comes out and it's bad and it gets overlooked. Um, but quite a lot of the time, if something new comes out, the rules are pretty good. And I think um, some people see new rules coming out, which are good as being like, oh, you know, codex create, blah, blah, blah. But it, it's healthy for the game. Like, you know, if, if you want to play chess, go play chess. Um, the game, I think, will never be perfectly balanced. And every army will fade and have its time in the sun. But um, I think, yeah, lots of things changed. I think um, FAQs changed quite a lot for us. I remember, obviously, Triple Ravager was, you know, the main part of any Drakari or Eldari list for quite a long time. Um, And early to mid-8th, you were able to hide them in Deep Strike, but bring them down turn one. Now, that was phenomenal because it just meant that if you were going first or second, you knew that your ravages were going to be untouched um, and they'd be able to, you know, come down from the webway um, from screaming jets and they'd be able to alpha strike that. You knew that as long as your Archon could 
uh, you know, sort of run to a certain position and then all the ravages huddle within six inches of him uh, because he's really cool, you know, you'd manage to bring the pain that way. So, um, yeah, a lot of things changed. Um, but over time, you know, Drakari got worse. Like, you know, I, I talk about my witches and, you know, I think witches will, will feature when we talk about our favourite lists. Um, and I, I, you know, so, so many times I, I adore witches and I love using witches and they're so cool. And like, you know, about San Cheesy, you know, they're special to me in like the Drakari army. They're awesome. Um, and I loved running two units of 15 or sometimes two units of 20 or you know, different variations, but mostly Curse Blade. Um, and I love the ability to have like, you know, my really fast, like shooty and sometimes like, you know, relatively resilient cabal. And then the ace up the sleeve, which you know, people would always be surprised by would be the witches who would come in and they'd pick off small units or hold off different, you know, um, you know, big sort of monsters and big squads and they could take stuff in combat. But, you know, meta changes things. There'll be things where, um, you know, I think a few armies have it. I think space Marines have it. Genes and the cults have it where it's a case of if you can't deep strike within X amount or, you know, all specs has always existed or, you know, deep strike near um, a shield captain from custodies and he'll, he'll charge you and you know things every codex and release and faq sometimes can make it harder for you um and my witches left you know for the most part probably late eighth when you know this when the summer when the space marines came out and they were just too hard for the witches to deal with that space marines were everywhere um you know you go to events and you play five games and you probably play against three marine players and witches couldn't cope that i'd run 15 witches into a unit of space marines um with the idea to trap them and yeah the idea is like you know not to kill them to keep you know there you've got more numbers on your objectives but just basic intercessors they they'd kill you on overwatch um and they don't need power fists they just punch you and with stratagems and like gilliman and stuff it's just x amount of attacks Hit my witches, wounding on twos, you know, it just makes short work of them. But you know, lots of things come into play. But uh, I think you have to you have to roll with the punches, and I guess that's where you probably adapt with your lists. Yeah, that, that's what I've been thinking because it's like when when the like Jakari book came out there wasn't like this marine menace and then now the marine menace has come about and it's just we we need like a fresh a fresh like a refresh of our rules so we can actually keep up because like a normal five man like intercessor squad it's like well if it's in blood angels it gets like 30 attacks i mean that's that's so much for just like a like a five man witch blob that just want to tie something up so it's going so it is a bit interesting but um, throughout throughout the uh, kind of like the to the start to the end of the codex, um, from when you guys when it got first released, you started playing it to now. If there was one unit you could pick and and just say, at this point, this was my favorite 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 unit before it got nerfed or like when certain things got brought out, it was just really good. Um, what was your favorite? Because I'll give you, give you an example of mine. Like recently. Uh, when all the marine stuff came out i was like super super into my dark techno um racks and i think for me personally looking at like looking at how how well i did with um at tournaments with 
the just the five man squad of racks with the two liquefier guns and that that messed marines up and that personally for me they're like my mvps of like my of this codex because they're like i know it's psychic awakening it's like fairly new for like the rules for us but um yeah it's yeah that was that was a good time for me um george what was your what was your favorite unit and like what what time was the best that time for you to use them um i think the the best unit overall throughout the whole the whole life of the of this codex has been the talos i think they have been um our best all-rounder throughout this throughout eighth and into ninth um i wouldn't say they were my favorite because uh, they're very they're very sweet they're very reliant and you roll with four ups if you roll four ups um then you're just golden. Um, and there are some hard counters to them in the form of Death Hex and Null Zone. Um, I think my favourite unit is is the same as it's always been, and that's Reavers. I really like using them. Um, they've always had the same kind of job where they're just interference. Um, they're really disruptive, uh, and they've always done that well, particularly Red Grief Reavers. They just get to places where your opponent doesn't want units to be. Um, and there's very little your opponent can do to stop them because of their inherent speed. Um, yes, they're not the most durable, and yes, they don't punch very hard, um, but they're a really good interference unit, and they always have been, and I always enjoy using them in my games. So for me, it's the Reavers as my favourite unit, um, but the Talos, I think, are overall the most effective unit in our codex and have been throughout. So if I was to pick mine, I would say... I'd look at my ever-presence. So Duke... Like, you know, one Archon has been in every single list that I've run with that Codex. Um, I've always had a Cabal detachment, so um, Cabalite Warriors have always been there. Um, and, you know, I've run the Flayed Skull and Blackheart, and I found Cabalite Warriors, for the most part, have been quite reliable. Um, early 8th, I used to run a lot of Blasters, because obviously Blasters from Index to Codex uh, they got D6 damage. And also in this codex, from the previous codex, uh, they gained six inches of range as well. So blasters became like a really formidable, uh, formidable um, option. So um, the Cabalite Warriors have always done me really well. Um, Ravages, I think, you know, if we're going to talk about Talos being up there as one of the best units for Drakari, I think the Ravages challenged that mantle. Um, I don't know if they beat it, because I think Talos were like part of the list. like six talos nine talos um was spoken about the most for Drakari, but i think the ravages are up there um i think probably the unit that i've enjoyed the most um in eighth and again it's, it's something i haven't run recently and i had a love hate relationship because when you fail that nine inch charge from the webway um it will cost you the game but equally you know what you know i'm talking about here they they won me games because it added a level of finesse now so you, you know what i'm talking about i'm talking about my, my witches and i did a lot of analysis and i looked at my results and tournaments and i looked at the fact that um what i noticed is the more black heart i ran i was winning more games um and but as soon as i use my witches my results improved drastically now i think it's been common advice that everyone's always said that you should make the most out of every um phase in the game um and the minute i had witches that you know the, the only real sort of combat in my army was 
one or two archons before, which weren't really doing too much. But adding the witches just added that level of finesse and flair and just ability to like they went so well you know the way i played my cabal where i'd almost play you know i'd start with like a you know a battle line as it were and then just speed off into different directions um and especially playing a lot of eternal war sort of at gt heats and stuff the witches were really good coming in turn two or turn three um getting stuck into units but surviving and sort of bogging down those objectives that um I just really, 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 really enjoyed running Witches. And I think at the moment, especially with Coherency and the meta and, you know, um, everything else, Witches don't play quite the same. But um, I'm really, really excited to see what they do with Witch Cults going forward. But I think Witches is what I enjoyed the most. But I think I would like to raise Ravages as one of the, the best units that there was in the Codex. Yeah, it's a good shout. I mean, Ravagers have just been a mainstay throughout the whole thing. So, yeah, it's definitely definitely a worthy contender to the title of best unit in our codex. But they kind of went hand in hand, didn't they? Like, Talos didn't work without Ravagers, and Ravagers didn't really work without midfield support, like pushing forward, because your opponent would just take them out. Um, they needed the, You needed the threat saturation on the board to keep the Ravagers and the Talos safe, so your opponent didn't know which one to prioritise. So yeah, just an excellent combo that stuck stuck to it and kept us in the game throughout eighth edition, even with the codex creep. So something I want to look at quickly is the innovations that this codex brought, but also some of the things which are, you know, were probably quite maligned at the launch of the codex. Now the twenty ten codex brought you know relaunched Dark Elder entirely and brought this whole swathe of you know special characters and just brought so much background and you know it, it was a phenomenal release and we are looking at doing um a 2010 retrospective codex review at some point in the probably not too far uh future um and the 2014 codex we all know just sapped like so much of the energy out of that codex and weakened things um and you know killed all the special characters off and so much of the flavor that it had now the 2018 codex felt like drakari were going back in the right direction again so you had um you know all, all the new stratagems which eighth edition brought um a lot more powerful combinations um everything else alongside it and obviously the real space um Raiding party, raiding force, the abilities to have the different sub factions and mercenaries is a really well thought out codex. And I think, um, you know, Games Workshop set out at the start of 8th edition to make the armies feel like the armies like on the battlefield. And I think Drakari definitely did. And Drakari are very, very good. Um, but like its predecessor, like the 2014 codex, 2018 did remove units again. So I do wonder, I, I can't imagine the new codex, the 2021 one book will um remove units but we did say goodbye to cabalite trueborn and uh hecatrix blood brides because they were obviously usable in legends via index but it was a codex which saw us lose uh, more units again yeah it's always a shame to lose stuff and especially with the trueborn i think that was a big hit to us uh, losing that because they brought so much versatility to the carbolite side of things um by having access to all the special weapons they had and the different loadouts and um i hope that we'll see them again i think the 
with the release of the Space Wolf Codex and that special Reaver squad they've got, which are essentially just a Reaver squad, but you could they've got their own rules. Uh, I don't I don't if this kind of sets a precedent for the Trueborn to return because all they were were Carbolite warriors with additional uh, uh, additional access to special weapons. So um, hopefully G Dog will bring uh, Blood Brides and Trueborn back because they are a kind of staple in the Drakari universe and. Um, it would be nice to see them removed from Legends or or see a new variation of them in the new Codex. But yeah, it was it was sad to lose them. But um, I think this Codex gave us a lot more uh, flavour uh, than the the maligned Codex of Seventh. Um, obviously, we we didn't get any new characters back, but um, the characters we had were um, players in the game, uh, particularly. Um, Uri and Rakaf made his way into a lot of lists to begin with and Lelith was also very good right from the offset and Drizar was not the best uh, but he has definitely risen from uh, from zero to hero with the uh, with the uh, addition of the Phoenix Rising book um, he went from being kind of never seen on the board to pretty much a must take in every Dark Elder list and that's that's a good thing so hopefully we'll see good things with the other Dark Elder characters and maybe some returning fan favourites. But We can only keep our fingers crossed. Duke's list, Gus. No, he's dead. <laughs> yeah, Duke. Not dead. He lives on. Sleskus lives, everyone. Okay, so finishing off our goodbyes, this codex, we are going to talk about our best achievements with this book and also our all-time favourite list. So, Dom, do you want to kick us off with that? Oh, achievements. Uh, I've done quite well this year in um, with Dragari, to be honest. Uh, I've come first twice at tournaments. I've, I've won two tournaments, come second at a tournament, and the big shark tank one of uh, Bad Moon Calf, I came sixth in, and then I came eighth in it again. And then... Uh, oh, I did a, a thousand point tournament, which I won with that one as well. But I think the rules completely like swayed in my favour because we used the full the full table size for a, a, a thousand point matchup. So I just went Drakari vehicles and just like won it just from sheer like maneuverability. Um, so I've actually done really really well. Um, and annoyingly, if uh, if the tournaments that I won were ITC ranked. I probably would be quite high up there at the moment, um, but sadly not. Not all not all the tournaments are on the ITC circuit. So um, and yeah, I've done quite well. But I think like for favourite lists, um, I started out with quite a classic list at the start of the year, which was um, Blackheart. Uh, I'll just go through quickly. It's just Blackheart with the with two Razor Wings, three Ravengers, um, lots of Cabalite Warriors, just to sit objectives. And then the other detachment was uh, six Talos and a Homunculus, and that was it. And that was pretty much the idea was just like planes are flying about, Dizzies are just pounding you from air from my side of the board. And then Vexator Mask with um, the six Talos just run at you. Um, and I did really well with that for a while. Um, but I kind of like turned it up a notch when nine, it was like end of ninth, end of eighth, start of ninth, when uh, we had to come up with some like kind of like new tactics. So 
that's when uh, we started to discuss like like how good um, like Dark Technomancer was, and that's when I jumped on the uh, Dark Technodom train uh, for the um, Suicide Racks. And when I started talking to, to um, George and Paulie about more tactics, about how to get um, like the double move up up the board, um, and yeah, it was that my, my latest list was doing really well in local games and tournament preps and all that before COVID kind of hit um, in like the second wave. So that was basically like suicide rack spam with loads of venoms and reapers. Um, and not relying on like Talos to to win a game of 40k with Jukari. Um but it was really good, really good. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's kind of like my roundup for tw- for 2020. Is uh, I did really well, won two tour- two or three tournaments. Um, came second in another. Placed. I've always tend to place quite high up on on the boards which is quite thankful um for when i play which is quite nice um a lot better than when i was playing chaos so <laughs> i definitely think this is my play style uh with Cal- uh, rather than chaos because chaos i just played a lot of games but never actually got into like the top third um i'd always place like in like a big if it's like a 30 40 man tournament i'd only come like like 15th um or anything like that but now i'm getting into like the top the top third so top wall top quarter so i'm very thankful for that so i think if i was to round up this year i'd just say i'm very thankful for being part of jakari and actually it is up my game my gaming standards a lot and i've really had to kind of you know like learn learn quickly and hard how how um powerful Jakari can be and also um the reverse of that how they can be like quickly dismantled um if you're against like a hard matchup such as Admech or like a marine gun line. Um but yeah that's me. Um how about you guys? So Paulie, how about you? Because I actually met you at one of the one of the uh, at the events this year. How's how was your year? Yeah, so with the Codex, like, I won events. I was lucky to do that, um, which I, I wouldn't have been able to do with, like, you know, the previous iteration. Uh, I think I actually won my first one with the Index, uh, but I think I won another two with the Codex. Um, and some pretty, like, decent places. Like, I came, um, I went 4-1 and one and fourth at a uh, Bad Moon GT heat um, at my first No Retreat. Um very similar. I went four and one and fourth um, at that as well. Um, and I've, yeah, I've done okay. Like you know, I've had some humblings still. Like you know, I've had some times where I've experimented. Um, you know, sort of my first ITC event was that Bad Moon event, and that went well. And then you know, I've gone to other ITC events, and I found actually, you know, towards the end of eighth, I don't think Drakari were very good in that format at times. Um, it was quite difficult to try and sort of. You know, similar to now, like, you know, when you try and build redundancy into your lists, it was a lot, lot harder in uh, sort of the previous, uh, well, in the ITC uh, towards the end of 8th. But, um, I, yeah, I've, I've really, I think the most important thing is, like, you know, whether I've won or lost, I've really, really enjoyed using this new, well, the 2018, I still think of it as new, um, the Drakari Codex. It's just been really, really fun to use. Uh, my favourite list now... Um, I guess there was a list which 
Uh, I did I did well with. I think I went to three events where I think I won. I was winning all my games for like I think two or three events in a row, like sort of one day is like RTT. So uh, I think I won sort of eight out of nine games, and it was um, based on my um, you know, my Cabalites Black Heart. So I'd have at the time I'd have uh, two Archons, and I think three units of Cabalite Warriors with a blast at each, three Venoms, uh, triple Ravager, of course. Um, and I'd have two flyers normally. So I always found that when my Void Raven went out of my list, I always did worse for whatever reason. I really enjoyed that. I used to use uh, one or two Razor Wings in the list as well. Um, and that was, you know, the sort of the main sort of um, the focus of it, as it were. Um, and then I used to run a Cursed Blade Battalion alongside it. Um, and so in that, I had two Succubi. And it was awesome. I had one Succubus who would be a bit boring and stay at the back and zone out deep strikers and the other one would run forward with a shard and an impaler and get stuck in and she'd have traitors embrace and just her rib cage would explode into people or sometimes she'd have the um helmet spike just real really cool toolkit succubus and then again i'd have um two uh two units of 15 um witches and i mentioned the dark olympiad earlier and i took the fluff from that and i used to sort of um play that myself like i'd have little sort of competitions between the witches i had um my two circles i had the black blossom and the flayed fashion uh who looked sort of different and um black blossom would always have the plus one strength and flayed fashion would always have the um attack uh, i used to have little competitions i used to get record of like who would do the best who had the um you know who who you know performed the most and killed like the best trophies and i think black blossom always tended to win that whether the strength i think strength five witches were cursed spade always did pretty well but that list was really good uh and it was probably heightened when i used to run a fast here um and it was, it was at the time when itc or faction was dictated by the most points so i'd have you know in 1750 or whatever we used to play um most of our points would be in Drakari and then I'd have a auxiliary fast here. And it felt naughty, um, but the way I always looked at it is, you know, the Sky Serpents were effectively a Corsair for force, and uh, they'd have, what, Avoid Dreamers, which are like the Corsair Psychers. So, um, you know, the Sky Serpents aren't actually in Comora. They're always, like, you know, in their, in their you know, stolen sort of Comorite ships in the incessant agony. So I felt Avoid Dreamer, like, it's not really on Fluffy. Um, it was good. It was nice to have a Farseer. Like, Psychers are good, right? Like, really useful to have Executioner and Doom and Smite and roam around to be able to deny stuff and Doom with the Ravagers, man. It was it was really good. And that list actually felt really fun to use because it works in every phase and there was Finesse there and Stopping Power. And I think over time, different FAQs and the meta moved on and, uh, you know, I, I tried to move with the times. I tried to innovate, but I think eventually codexes do get caught out, and I think ours did. But it was um, it's a phenomenal time where it lasted. Oh, that's a really nice summary, mate. There, it's um, yeah, you're right. Everything you said was right. It's, this codex has been really good, like throughout the whole whole of its lifespan. So, um, I think for me, like the things I'm sort of thankful for, like through like, throughout this time, is the uh, uh, meeting meeting you poorly face to face at the GT finals was really cool. Like we've obviously liaised on Facebook and and things before. I've been a fan of your paint job for quite a while, so it was nice meeting you face to face and sort of getting to know each other. Um, 
and uh, obviously from that we've started this podcast, which is way more successful than I thought it would be, if I'm being honest. I just thought it was going to be three guys who love talking well, four guys who love talking about Jakari, <laughs> chatting about it, and if anyone wants to listen to that, great. So thanks for listening. Thanks for all the feedback and everything. So that's been a real positive. Um, I think, like, performance-wise, I've done, I've always done consistently really well with Dark Elder. Um, I think, as I said, because I've stuck with them for so long, so um, and my memory's pretty good, so I tend to um, know what other armies can do relatively well, so I can play around that. Um, I at local events, I, I've sort of quite an quite an infamy for being like a, a winner or or at least contending for winning in pretty much every event um, in the in the sort of local club that I go to down in Austell. Um And I think for me, the highlights have been. Um, coming second at the Plymouth at War 2020, which was like my first my first ITC event and my first ITC game. I've never played ITC until then, and that was last February. Um, and I actually came second, going. I think it was, I think it was either it was four wins and a and a draw or five wins and a draw. I can't remember if it was a six or a five round event, but it was a two day event, and that was that was really interesting playing against some really tough lists. Um, that was because it was straight after or just before LVO, so there was some real top tier list like the draw i went against um uh the dreaded uh possessed bomb with all the stacking buffs and i completely misplayed it um i i should have had that game but i completely misplayed it and steve my my opponent was like so gracious he he had the game really because he he outplayed me um i completely underestimated the list and didn't know enough about it but um it got to like turn four and he offered me the draw um out, out of courtesy or whatever but i was very grateful for that and I, I thought I was going to lose, but he he thought differently. So that was a really nice game, um, and a really nice event. Really well run. That was that was a lot of fun. Um, but I think the highlights for me was uh, then doing so well in the GT finals for Warhammer World in January, uh, coming uh, fifth in that with uh, five wins and a loss um, was awesome. Uh, I never expected to do that well in the in the Marine meta with with Dark Elder, but I was really chuffed with that. Um, but the, the biggest highlight for me was was probably for for hobby moment was was going to the um, heat three um, of last year and both me and Paddy qualifying for the finals because we we've, we've been going to the, the the GT tournament scene at Warhammer World for a number of years uh, we sort of made it a, a yearly thing for us to go to but we'd never um, never did quite well enough to qualify um, it always something happened like I made mistakes with my list building or um, we just had bad luck with matchups or whatever, but whatever the excuses were, we never did quite so well. But for us both to do as well as we did um, and to both qualify in the same heats was really awesome and a really cool moment for me, hobby-wise. Um, my favourite list um, was probably the list I took to um, the Plymouth at War, which was a mix of uh, six Talos. Um, I think I only had two Ravages in that list, but it was quite heavy on the Witch Cult. Uh, I think I had... Uh, two or three squads of five in Venoms and a big blob of Reavers. And the Reavers just... The Reavers really swung games for me, to be honest. They, they were just such a nuisance for my opponent. Like, they were what they were, they were were what kept a lot of um, damage away from me that managed to tie Rap and Trap, like Leviathan Dreads and um, the Plague Burst Crawlers from Death Guard and all sorts. They were just a real nuisance. Um, and I just really enjoyed the combination of having, like, this super speed unit mixed with a midfield bully unit like the Talos are, and then backfield fire support from the Ravagers. It just gave me all the tools I wanted to use 
um, and and I could adapt it to play a variety of opponents. And I, I just really enjoyed that list. That was probably my favourite list to play. Um, although recently I have enjoyed dropping the Talos and playing similar to Dom, like just lots and lots of vehicles, lots and lots of transports and racks and vehicles. That's been quite interesting to experiment on, but um, I'm looking forward to seeing what the new Codex brings. So I guess that's it for me. Yeah, just grateful for grateful for everything. Grateful for being part of the podcast. Grateful for such a good Codex, like a well-written and well-rounded Codex has lasted the test of time, I think. Um, yeah, it's gone down a bit, but all, all of them do. So um, as, as, as Paulie said, we all have our time in the sun. Um, our time is like right at the beginning, um, and we've kind of lingered in the shade for a bit, but we're still not out of the game. Right? I still think Dark Elder can compete at the top, the top tables um, if played well. Okay, so we are nearing the end of this bumper-sized Christmas special episode. We are going to do some New Year's resolutions. So um, we know 2020 has been an extremely difficult year for everyone, for you know players, uh, your families, um, you know different people in different jobs, and have had to you know face lots of different challenges across the year. Um, but I know, you know, especially myself, I found, you know, my friendships with not just my, my close friends and immediate friends, but actually um, all the Jakari players that I know, you know, that I talk to on Facebook and on Instagram. Um, and also, you know, the Archons on Real Space Raiders and other Archons that I know. Um, I think it's been you know, a really important year to help your fellow friends and comrades out. So I want to say, you know, as a 2020 difficult, but thank you everyone that has been there for everyone else. Um, we're going to see off 2020 though, with some new year's resolutions as we look forward to 2021. So um, we're going to kick off George. Do you want to tell us your 2021 hobby new year's resolutions? Um, yeah, to quit Drakari and uh, go and play Tau. That's my main one. Uh, <laughs> I forgot about Tau. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I thought I'd bring it back in there from episode one. So, yeah. Um, no, my, my New Year's resolutions are quite simple. Um, so, I'm going to steal a quote from one of my favorite YouTube um, and Instagram painters called Miniac. If you haven't checked him out, go and do it. He's a really good painter and some, some really good content. But his, uh, his slogan is Paint More Mini. So that's my main resolution is, is paint more. And I'm hoping that um, I'll get back on it. Uh, other one is once once everything opens up again, I want to try and attend more sort of ranked events, so to speak. I, I, I tend to um, go to a lot of local events, but they're never tracked in like the ITC or anything like that. So um, I after after doing so well at the Plymouth at War, it kind of... Um, spurred me on to try some more uh, maybe travel a bit maybe it's like to like Bournemouth GT or, or um uh maybe the LGT if uh, when, if and when that comes up again I know there's a few that run in Bristol that I could go to um so yeah I want to try and attend some of those once they start running up again um and just keep learning and adapting my army like I, I don't um, joking aside, I don't intend on leaving Jakari at all. Um, I, I love the models, I love the fluff, and I love my paint job on my army. I think it looks really cool. So um, I just love seeing them on the board and just adapting my army and um, and learning, learning. Every game's a learning experience, even when you lose. So I'm just looking. That's my New Year's resolution: is learn from the losses and adapt my playstyle to accommodate. Uh, what about you, Dom? 
Oh, New Year's resolutions. I have a few, I think. Um, so the first one is that I want to, because I was planning to do a tournament with my mate Matt um, down in St Albans, Hertfordshire. Um, uh, and we were just about to like book the venue, but then COVID wave two happened, so everything shut down again. So um, 2021, I'm going to get my tournament um, on and maybe try and get Two, two or three of them in the year um, if like COVID permitting and all that um, but I've been really wanting to do my own little tournament uh, which will be ITC ranked as well and I'll, I'll just enjoy it because I, I just enjoy um, the hobby so much and like, like being part of this podcast has been awesome um, and I just want to do more in the community as well um, and big fan of Games Workshop as well so if we can if I can through tournaments then that'd be fun because my local wargaming um uh, uh lot there are a bunch of sharks they are so <laughs> they're they're all they're all incredibly good players so they'll 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 be up for that um and then because we've got a really good connection to london through a train it'll be easy to fill uh to fill the tournament so um yeah i'm i'll, I'll hopefully be able to um to do that this year, which would be sorry next year, which would be nice. Um, but yeah, apart from that, I'm gonna try and up my painting. I think um, I'm tempted to to repaint all of the my infantry a completely different color, um, so that they go completely to the opposite of my purple theme. Um, so I'm gonna dabble with that maybe at the start of the codex. Um, because I still want to be able to hobby, so I might, if if everything comes out with the codex and I don't need to buy 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 a lot of stuff, then I'm just going to repaint all of my um, my infantry, maybe to some some sort of like real space raiders sort of pattern, which would be fun. Um, but yeah, I kind of just I hope I hope the codex is as much as much as um, yeah. I just hope it be good. I hope it will test our skill. And hopefully we can, uh, you know, get some trophies for our trophy racks. But yeah, poorly. So for myself, I think I want to look at new techniques, new painting techniques, and I think it's always important to like try and where you can like live outside your comfort zone, whatever you're doing, like push yourself. And I think not that I've got too comfortable with my painting, but I do paint in. I guess what could be described as a very traditional English style, like every metal style is what we've been sort of um, taught, haven't we, you know, by, um, by the every metal team and games workshop in the sense of, you know, I'm very much a case of I base coat and I wash and I highlight and I sometimes rewash and I use glazes and stuff, but I want to look at, you know, challenge myself a lot further. And do you know what, like I'm, I'm, yeah, I like. I think I'm good at painting, um, but I'm not like a cabinet class painter, like nowhere near it. Um, and I think I would like to push myself for that. Um, try and look at, you know, for some sort of into a golden demon. Like I think the last time I did that, I entered a long, long time ago, and I got a, like a a, a commended um, entry, I think, for a golden demon, which was at a games day long 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 time ago i was probably just a bit past like the young bloods like entry level um but i was in the main one so it'd be nice to try and like you know paint and something like that but i've teased that i've been working on a, a duke sort of 3.0 for a while and i think i might 
put a lot of effort into that. Um, I'll probably look at sort of more faces as well, uh, trying to sort of better some of the details on that. Um, and I think I've spoken before about Roy Gonzalez, who I've known from No Retreat. And like, so I've watched, um, I'm not sure if I said this before, but he does a really, really, really good YouTube video on color theory uh, on his Gasgol Fracker um, model. So if, if you just type his name and Gasgol into YouTube, it'll come up. But it's just so, so intelligent and so clever. And it's something I want to learn that, you know, I've studied fine art and stuff before, but I don't probably bring enough of that studious aspect into my painting. And I think I want to look at a lot more of the theory and probably some more like intelligent craft, as it were. Um, the other side, obviously, I've been so immersed in match play for a while and I haven't really had the opportunity to play as many pickup games, but I'd like to like do that more in the future. And I think I'd like to certainly dip my toe more into Crusade. And I think. It looks like Kill Team will get either rebooted or a new version next year. So I think I'd like to definitely jump into that because I think the Kill Team just gives you such awesome opportunities to like do lots of modeling. So so this has been a phenomenal, phenomenal jam-packed episode and our last one of 2020. And that brings us to our traditional method of naming the episode. But We've gone a different route for this one, and we have put it through to our listeners on Facebook and also in the Dark Held, our Facebook group. Uh, we've given them four hours to name the episode based on a Drakari Christmas pun, and we are going to read some of those out. So on the Real Space Raiders Facebook page, Patrick Barron, Paddy, friend of the show, said, Go home, Dark Elder, you're Drakari. Kind of clever. Uh, let's get <laughs> elfed up pretty good uh comera on down my chimney that sounds a bit slaneshi uh, yeah vex the halls which i actually quite like, Ooh, I like that. uh the 12 pains of christmas uh which is by jason kilby steve smith says a flay in a manger very clever oh, that's really good that's good isn't it uh jared lockley said splinter all the way which yeah. is very cool. Uh, Roger Stewart said, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Paindeer. Justin Brethorst said, He money claws don't look in his bag. Uh, Stephen Bess, I think, poked fun at the whole Drew Carey thing with Drew Carey hosted Whose Lines Anyway. Dave Gould, after forgetting his Cavals Christmas party, the warrior was racked with guilt. That's just a really bad dad joke. That's quite good. <laughs> uh, Chino Ronnie B said, Vex the halls were captured. Monkey. Come on. <laughs> like, like um, yeah. now, I thought this is a very clever one. And obviously I'm quite partial to these in my court of the archon. Donald Rizbridger said, Merry Slithmas. Oh, that's, that's good. good. Oh, I like that. That's yeah, good. That's that, good. that has to be a winner, right? I don't know. We've got a few more. Very um, That's sick. That's very clever, isn't it? Ah, oh, that's good. A few others. So I put it to some friends in some WhatsApps, and I think we um we went through some others ourselves. Now let me go to them. Now, um, George, you had a very clever one, which was like a couple of sort of playing words, which was sleigh bells ring, as in sleigh, as in the sleigh someone, and ring, as in to ring someone's neck. I thought that was very very good. Um, and then from the SN Friends WhatsApp group, um, now they are they normally go quite heavy with puns, just when they can, um, just when they can, just when they can. Um, 
And let's have a look through some of theirs because there's some very good uh, entries in there. Uh, so Josh Josh Hall, um, who you might know from sort of going to some of the retreats, he said, slave chains ringing all around us, children dying, dark out of fun, which is uh, a bit ominous. Um, and I think he actually sang it as well. Let's see what it sounds like. Slave chains ringing all around us. Children dying, Drakari fun. <laughs> now, if you actually know Josh, he's got a really, really thick Brummy accent, so I don't know where that went, but that was um, not too bad. Uh, he said he'd also do um, a 64 bars Roadman version, which is dashing through the webway on an open top radar, whipping slaves all the way, whip, 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 which um, that was fun. Uh, some others, which are probably a bit long to name the episode with was 12 days of slavemus on the first day of slavemus my archon gave to me a guardsman on a jagged spike which, <laughs> um but a few christmas scourge deck the halls of slaves and bodies sleigh ride sleigh bells jingle hells rudolph the spike nose raider rudolph the blood soaked raider deck the halls with pain and anguish that's good um oh this this is really good i like this one I saw my Archon flaying Santa Claus. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's good. Yeah, that was yeah. good. Um, some very, very good entries. Um, okay, so Dom is such a good editor, you wouldn't have realised that we just spent five minutes debating our favourite entry. And we have come to the conclusion that our favourite one by far is Donald Rizbridger with... Merry Slithmas. We thought that was a really, really, really clever playing words, and I think it tickled us all. So um, you would have seen that on the episode itself by now. Um, but thank you so much, Donald. That was a amazing pun. Um, and so I think that brings us to the end of this episode. Um, we have some ideas already for our forthcoming episodes before the Codex drops. Look for potentially a whole episode dedicated to Drakari background and lore. So if you have any questions for that, um, we'll be going through that with you all on a forthcoming entry to Real Space Raiders. Um, we're very obviously excited for the Codex. We're, I think we're all excited for Christmas now and for this year to end. So that leaves us to say goodbye and we wish you all a Merry Slithmas. Mm -hmm.